Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Yo, what up? This is Fontigolo with a brand new old, that makes no sense, but you'll understand episode of quest love supreme on this classic episode qls we go with my man legendary producer and dj prince paul talking about his contributions to early hip-hop winning grammys with chris rock and some of the ways he shaped the sound of de la soul third base queen latifah and more this qls episode number 46 originally aired august 23rd 2017 and this is one of my favorite episodes he's a hero of mine prince paul qls classic y'all yup Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. 70 Shaka Khan? Yeah. Stick him. Yeah. That freaking Mooley? Yeah. Freaking lick him. Roll call. Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. And I still messed Suprema. up. I forgot Rufus. Suprema roll call. My name is Fonte. Yeah. It is not Eugene. Yeah. But what does Touche yeah. et le le pou mean? Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. With Prince Paul. Yeah. Three feet high. Yeah. And high. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema roll call. It's like Ian. Yeah. With Paul in the place. Yeah. You better get out my way. Yeah. Before I punch you in your face. Roll call. Suprema. Where'd that come from? Roll call. Suprema roll call. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That line I missed. Yeah. Shout out to Prince Paul. Yeah. Next up on this. Roll call. <laughs> Suprema. Suprema roll call. Really? Suprema. Suprema roll call. What up? The name's Paul. Yeah. 
Jesus, Jesus, y'all. Yeah. I don't know why I'm here, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Y'all hope to cease. Roll call. Suprema roll call. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Wait, wow, that was precious. Were you? Actually, surprised that we told you to do a verse. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. After we told you at the top that you're going to do a yeah, verse. Yeah, yeah. The last time I I did rhymes was "Will Rise Not Fall" you know, <laughs> or, or oh, "Pass wow. the Peas." You know, I don't. I don't yeah. All right, well, you know, <laughs> all, no 25 ass. years later, here you go. Yeah, wow, Von P did the remake of that. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, anyway, you wait. You were on that. Yeah, I was on that. <laughs> He was the last one. Was he the was the last, last one. one. Wait, did, hold it. There's something you guys too. talking about that I'm not it's familiar with. You ain't alone. You ain't alone. It was we. Yeah, your skits have been co-opted so many times by yeah. people in this room. Like it's what? Ladies, oh, I oh, got to hear him, man. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is a, a special episode. No, it's not, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is a very unspecial episode <laughs> of Special <laughs> Supreme. Um, you know, usually I start with the the the, the grandiose, over the top. Uh, intro but really i will say that perhaps our special guest today is one of the first paradigm shifts in hip-hop culture um meaning that it's it's his it's his uh brain space that allowed dweebs like me to uh make a living in 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 this world that we call hip-hop um a lot of his leftist center and crazy ideas really resonated with <laughs> nerds. I mean, it made Absolutely. nerds feel included. And <laughs> thanks. And what are you trying to say about me? <laughs> <laughs> you are our leader, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome our leader, Prince Paul. Yes. The Quest oh. Supreme. <laughs> I made it after almost a year of trying to be here. No, man, man you, you're. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thank you for still coming. Thank you. Thank you for. I, I wish I could count how many times I have text messages that says, When is Prince Paul coming? When is Prince Paul coming? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling like, you. Come right? in tomorrow. Oh, you know, wait. <laughs> yeah, this is special. This this Thank is you. definitely going to be a, a, a nerd out yeah. episode. You're I don't our even... most sought after. Yeah, yeah, me being the leader of the nerds, apparently. No, you should. No, dude, you really are. Yeah. I mean, do, do people. Because I feel like you are. The, the leader or the god of people that read liner notes on albums. Like, that's, that's enough. I don't have to say nerds. I'll just say, if you read liner notes and you love hip-hop culture, then, you know, Prince Paul is a part of your life. But like, who doesn't read liner notes? Maybe I'm the nerd. I know one now. Yeah, like, you know. Well, there are no liner notes to read. Now. Well, yeah, nowadays, yeah. yeah. You just look at the picture. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's just, you know, a lot of things that you've done are you know they they speak to just beyond the the yes yes y'all crowd so how how are you today man I, i'm good i'm I'm glad to be here um you know it's good to see you i mean you know I, I catch you every once in a while it's been a second actually you know it's weird like we've been doing a few dj gigs together and i have to say that your selection your selection as of late at least the last two or three dj gigs i've seen um I'm shocked at how you expand cuz usually in our cultural range right a lot of guys like to stay in the lane that they've been known for like you know certain DJs 
will play music that only they produced in a certain period. Oh, Usually, I mean the Prince Paul medley. If I did that, everybody stopped dancing. They start socializing. <laughs> <laughs> go to the bar, get drinks. You know, we'll go outside, go pee. You no, know. but you, you go and <laughs> in whatever you, order. <laughs> like you actually, you cater to the crowd that's watching you, which I was amazed at. I was like, oh, okay, so he's not being hard at because a lot of people just be like, yo, man, I hate this particular time period and I hate modern hip hop and I'll just stick to, you know, eighty six to ninety four. And you were going all over the place. Like you playing trap shit that I was shocked that you were even aware of. I maybe shazammed one or two songs that <laughs> you played. So no, I, I mean, the, part of it is, uh, it's going to sound cheesy, but good music is good music no matter whatever. It's just harder to find it in this era. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'll extract stuff, and, and I have to thank my son for all the trap knowledge. Yeah, that was my next uh-huh. question. The kids, you, know, it's, it's, it, you know, he's he's part of it. And, and I'm an old school DJ. I'm DJing since 1977, since I was 10. So I come from an era where you rock the party. You know what I'm saying? It has nothing to do with anything else. You know, it's like... Your your job is to defeat and annihilate every DJ that's around you, and then kind of make the party jump. Well, yeah, you definitely uh, annihilated me. That <laughs> yeah, be. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I was like, because it was at the tribe party. I was like, oh man, I was going to do all these nice soft tribe samples, and yeah, you want to do <laughs> your last record was like little, little Yachty or something. <laughs> I was like, oh man, now I gotta. They already turned nah, up. See, but you got it. You got it perfect because you walk in and go. Duh! Lights come on. No pyrotechnics. Like, no. I'm like wow. No. Kiss it, the ring. Anyway. Anyway. No, I, we're not, we're not going to get stuck in this circle. Didn't I read? I'm not going to give you a compliment. Don't worry. Uh, but didn't I read somewhere that your son is a DJ for Uzi Bird? Is that or is that true? Yeah, yeah, he DJs for Uzi. That's cool. wow. Oh no wonder you know so much. I was like, yo, Paul's knowledge is amazing. That's so dope. Yeah, but you won't catch me dabbing anytime. <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the new dance? All I know is everything goes like it's, this. It's, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. Wait, how old is your son? He's twenty five. Oh, that, oh! You could almost be a grandfather, almost. <laughs> hey, hey! Don't put it. Oh, no, I'm fifty, so I guess it's okay at this point. You're fifty. You I'm look 50. amazing. I'm fifty years old. Calm ladies, down, I'm ladies. taking a picture. No, what, what, what? he's cut. What? He got cuts, ladies. What? What? what th- yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You look great was, for your age, bro. Yeah. Oh, what, what? Thanks. I don't know. Cuts like. With, in your in your chest and your stomach oh, I mean, and in your arms. Well, Not that I'm, I was I'm, looking. I'm, fa- I'm fasting, which is part of it. Too. Oh wow! Intermittent fasting. I, I would advise guys. Well, I was telling you about. You Wait, make say a that again. Push it to an eight-hour window, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. It's, it's a good thing. Good. That's what that's called. The eight-hour window. Defonte's yeah. doing. Okay, so you yeah. eat within that eight-hour window. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Terry Crews. Like he, he swears by that. Terry Crews. Yeah. What's this called? It's intermittent fasting. It's basically you eat what you want in quotation marks i mean because you still just can't be eating fuck shit but basically you push all your meals to an eight hour window so then the rest of the 16 hours in a day you're fasting so say if you get up around like like normally i get up around like 11 um i hit the gym at 12 come on shower whatever and then i have my first meal of the day around like two right so then my eating is from two to ten and then you know you sleep you know it detoxifies the liver, the kidneys. If you're a guy, boost your testosterone up to way over 100. percent So you keep it rocking. You always damn. Yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes into the show, we ain't even talk about one breakbeat yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. That's amazing. I have to say, I have to say on a serious note. Right? I have to say on a very, very serious Wait. note is um, I had a sister. She just passed about two weeks ago, oh, wow. maybe two weeks ago. So 
cancer and a whole lot of the diabetes and everything is prevalent in my family. So, which made me a little more, I guess, health conscious as far as like, you know, what to eat, what not to eat. Doesn't mean I'm going to live forever, but it does kind of play in, in mind when there's certain things you can control. You know what I'm saying? You can control um, what you eat, control your exercise, control your stress, but you know, which genetic you can't control. So well, I try to hone in what I can control. Well, does that concern you that a lot of our, you know, forget, you know, the whole mentality of escaping bullets of the days of Latin Quarter, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, those, yeah, I remember those days. I but was in the middle of that. Does it, <laughs> is it on your mind that a lot of your contemporaries cannot really get past the age of 55? I've just like escaping fifty five. Well, I'm being generous. With Yo, you. I haven't yeah. made fifty five yet. So yeah, it, I think I think about my mortality daily, and I hate to to say that, but it, you know, I don't obsess over it. But I do think about it because, man, you know, like I said, my sister just passed a couple weeks ago, and that's tough. But um, I only have one sibling left. Like, just think from the time that I was born, there's only one person that I can think of that was around since I was a baby in my family. Mm-hmm. Nobody else exists. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 serious, you know? So, I mean, when I think of my, yeah, like, you know, poetic and I can keep going on and on and, and you know, friends who passed and yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. You know, it's really, really scary. Well, I think it's also, you know, hip hop culture celebrates uh, this, this victory mark of like, you know, we made it, let's celebrate. You know, and if you think about it, like I mean, I've I've been to many a backstage ritual, and Lai's looking at me because she knows what <laughs> when I mean my backstage ritual. You know, where a bottle of Patron could yeah. be down by one person. Oh, I see it all the time. Like Beautiful. Which isn't, <laughs> but I'm saying that's not natural. You know what I'm no. saying? Especially like, after a certain age. Yeah, that's not natural to you know consume. I like to do over excessive partying and celebrating which hip-hop is known for and it's like eventually i guess it's going to catch up to yeah you're right at a certain age but see this is interesting because hip-hop is so young that this conversation within itself is like a nuance but it could become a trend because you guys are aging with hip-hop but but the kids now there's a difference see like if you look at our age age bracket it's like you know dudes drink they smoke they might you know depending on whatever you in you might sniff or whatever the case is now kids are just dropping random pills it's just like yeah. stuff that aligns all to like chemically everything in your body you, and know you don't know what the effects of that's going to be yet yeah. like you don't know like all these cats doing all this shit now like what are they going to look like at 35 well it was like crack in the 80s i remember you know kids who smoked weed and who you know mescaline and dropped tabs whatever yeah crack was new smoking crack but they didn't know the long term effects but a year later you see cats just like Jacked Tweaking. up, Tweaking. yeah, and then so now you look back on it, and he's like, smoke crack, you buy it, you know. So, yeah, same, you're right, same thing with the kids now, you don't know what's gonna happen, you know. What's where where were you born? I was born in Queens, Flushing, not Long Island, not Long Island. So, I moved out when I has was has anyone little. in hip hop purely been born in Long Island, or like, do families just migrate to Long Island because that's like, oh, the safe place, and you won't, nah, that's moving up, you know, when you when you <laughs> lived in Brooklyn, Queens, whatever the case is, you moved to Long Island, it's the suburbs, it's the country, at least back in, in those days, you know, it was like, you know, you, you lived in, in a confined area, the projects, you live wherever, the, you know, like my grandma, she lived in, uh, that's how I met Stead, in, in Glenmore Plaza in Brownsville, and yeah, it was rough, 
Uh, it was rough. <laughs> you know How saying? rough was it? <laughs> yeah, look, it was rough, but like this, it was so rough. I remember back when I had to go to Daddy O's house in order to collect money, I had to dress like a crackhead to get in and out. I used to wear a leather cap. <laughs> yo, yo, this is already, no joke. That's already, yo, yo, that's like some Walking Dead shit. Yo, this is no joke. I got to disguise yourself as a zombie he, he to lived, make new zombies. He lived in the New Lots Plaza, and I was like, man, I got to pick up some money. All right, how did I do this? I really thought about it. I was like, yo, I used to dress. I had leather. This one, leather baseball caps was out, but it was kind of old. Those little lit. skinny ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like Eddie Murphy and oh, How no, Could no, It no, Be not, video? Not, not those. <laughs> it, was regular, it was regular baseball ones, some wrinkled up clothes, and I would just walk into his plaza talking to myself. Yeah, man, I was skinny anyway, so I was like, come out with like, I don't know, $500. Which <laughs> like, was what back then. Oh, this was like 84, 85. Really? Yeah, 86. Yeah, it was right it's actually kind of brilliant. Did you share that method with others? Uh, <laughs> nah, man. You know, um, but it, it worked. I seen other, you know, I seen other dudes get robbed. I won't say no names. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, so people we wouldn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> chains gone, things gone. See, that's the thing. Everyone has all these glorious stories of like back in that era, and I'm like, yo, you weren't cautious, like yeah. rolling but by it was yourself. Crazy. That's when New York was beautiful, though. I mean, the, the crime kind of gave it a vibe in the culture. That so you have fond memories of those of back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it was crimey, and and yo, and I, I got robbed. Like I was in a in a thing uh, doing a show with Stetson Sonic, and these dudes came in and they just was just taking people's stuff. They just like just bum rushed the whole thing. <sighs> it was all this craziness and not with getting during into, the show. This was. I don't want to say during the show, but it was kind of in between shows. I don't know. I think the Fat Boys might have been performing that night. It was it was that era. You know what I'm saying? I'll be goddamn if I get robbed while the Fat Boys are on stage. <laughs> Yo, but, but you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. Yo, but it, it was just everything getting turned over, people screaming, and dudes had guns, and here I am trying to leave the spot with my homeboy because he drove me out, and, and, you know, the dudes, long story, they were coming – to get out the club, I had to go upstairs, and they were coming downstairs simultaneously. They said something to my boy, and I was like, "Man, you don't know him." Right? Word? We don't. Oh, oh, you talking now? I was like, "Oh, tell me." <laughs> I'm all of 120 pounds at the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Next thing I know, they took my little Velcro wallet <laughs> that I had. Wow. Remember those oh, ones? Velcro, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I had a. Uh, I had to admit, I had a fake chain. It was like a little thin chain. It had a, a a P. Remember, like the initials with the had the box. Yeah. 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 That they took that off my neck, and that's all I got. Yeah. At least it was fake. All, all it took was one time. But you know what? It made me cautious and the man I am today, and it made me even more hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't be hip hop without getting robbed. Damn. <laughs> yes. Oh, damn. Now I'm thinking. No, you never mind. Anyway. No, no, no. If you, I think everyone's been robbed by a record company. So I'm good. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> We've all been oh, robbed. Yeah. I've gotten yeah, corporate robbed. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you were DJing at the age of 10. Like, yeah, I've for a long time. You come from a music family or like? Uh, no, nah, I mean, you know, aside from the old school, my dad collected jazz records. My mom, you know, collected records. My siblings are 10 years and plus older than me or were, I should oh, wow. say. So, you know, they were teenagers. So How many all together? Uh, was four. Now it's just me and my brother. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, being a kid, you want to be like them. And so they collected records. So while they were, my friends were into toys, I was into buying records. And I still have the, I have the first 45 I bought 
two I bought was Groove Me, King Floyd, and Hot Pants, and I still have it. I was five years old, bought it from May's Department Store in Long Island. How much did it cost? Back then, 45s were how much? I think I got for like, it was less than a dollar each. You know, did you mark your name on your records like everyone? Oh does? yeah, yeah, still got them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still marked. It's still and 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 the the break beats when you get in the eighties are all washed out. Oh, yeah, right. still got and stuck on to albums. Right, the forty five. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Still got them all hissed out. Right, <laughs> the same. Yeah, I I I, I love. It. It's funny now because now I'm looking for that sound and that sort of uh, texture. And, and and wax and you can't find it where all your the beginnings of your records just have that oh horrible yeah. really you looking for that well I'm, I'm trying to those, man. we can swap out for some fresh I'm ones try, no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> I mean it's just it's weird like hearing say like the the, the champ break beat clean <laughs> clean it's no well impeach the president clean and I know where the stems are like it just don't sound the same without yeah, that's that true. Little static at the beginning, yeah, and it's, it's hard to This is to nerd conversation. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're right. Well, you're right. Nerd, we're just getting started. <laughs> you're right about this. So, where was your first DJ gig? If you were like, who would let you on the turntables at ten? Well, what happened? Well, what happened was like, mm-hmm. like all black folks say, no. Nah, but what happened um, was I pieced together a DJ set. Um, I had a Lafayette. It was a, <laughs> it was a Lafayette like plastic little turntable at my mom's component set which was had a turntable attached to it but the turntable didn't work mm-hmm. so I figured out a way to take uh one of those another cheap turntable we had around the house and I put my turntable left her turntable right and used the balance button as a mixer as a to blend the two together and then I put it in mono so it came out one speaker so I couldn't cue it but I was able to go back and forth and after a while that balance knob got <laughs> you know, right, right, right. Good. I was like, because it wasn't really scratching. It was just like bent, 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 bent. Really? Yeah. It was. You know, like yeah. what year period was this? This was like 77, 70, 77 So I even started. before like DJ culture was known to me. Yeah. This this was like because you know going like I said, my grandmother lived in Brooklyn. Um, Long Island had DJs, but it was like you know. You're thinking of like Maboya. It was like in the early like days mm-hmm. of like more disco, you know. Right. And if breaks were played, it was disco breaks. And if any break existed back then, it was probably like Sarone Look for Love. That might have been 78. But it was just. So disco breaks. Yeah. Grew yeah. to get down and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, so who were your gods and queens that you looked to that? Um, PTJ Jones. It was oh, probably wow. like, you know, when you think of like, oh, you know. Because it was more systems back then than Why than doesn't cutting. he get the respect that, you know, the gods of the Bronx get? Because I hear even Tip speaks like PJ, DJ Jones was before all those guys. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, it, it depends on where you're from. You know, I think it has a lot to do with it. You know, Tip's from Queens. You know, I'm Long Island, kind of Queens, Brooklyn type right. thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was who we looked up to. And like I said, back then it was more power than it was skill. Had nothing to, the skill was like, eh, but it was power and records. So if you could blow somebody out, so I was like, and just speakers, and you had records. So the louder you were. Oh, what? Without a doubt, with bass bottoms and random stacked up amps. So how would you build? How would you build your system? Oh, I just didn't. I did did the opposite. I I 
had to work on skill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And steal records. Because you didn't and have then, the equipment. And didn't have right. the equipment but and beg for people to get on. And so probably one of the first gigs I got on with a lot of people, um, I was probably in the seventh grade. And that was um, a friend of mine named Paul Carey. They had a group called the Young Blood Crew, and that was in Long Island. And I got on, and I remember I was cutting, what record was out? Was it seventh grade or eighth grade? It might have been Midnight Plane or Trouble Funk. I don't remember. I don't okay. remember what, what it was. But, yeah, it was a lot of people. I was nervous, but I, I was thought I was nice. Were you thrown <laughs> off once you got on real turntables? Oh, of course. Yeah, once you get on real stuff, it's like, whoa, it's like... It's like driving a uh, probably I would guess with a Yugo to a uh, <laughs> to a Maserati, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah, you know, you're not like fighting you're, fighting the steering, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the brakes, you don't have to step on extra hard. Everything's like, because back then I, I was uh, my friends had um, the 1800s, and I think before then it was the 1100 A's, mm -hmm. the, um, the big doofy looking ones, right? Yeah. But it was from that to the 1800s. And then all I could afford, once I started getting turntables, I had a BSR and then eventually graduated to a B, man, not 101. I can't remember. It was a B1, but it was the one with the strobe light that was on this, uh, the, the right-hand side and the lower part. I think okay. DST had the same ones. I'm nerding out right now. You're making no, me no, nerd. No, 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 no. You're making this me nerd out, man. I'm, eating, I'm, I'm quiet as hell. I'm like, yo, tell me more. <laughs> Yeah, I, I forgot. DJ porn. I think, yes. B, I, think, I think it was a B10, I think, the turntables. I can't remember exactly, but those were my first real, like, techniques. Now, were these acquired? And I got teased, you know? Were, were these acquired via the blackout, the blackout of 77? <laughs> you know or what? did you have rich grandparents, a la LL? Yo, or? I remember the blackout of 77 because I was leaving Brooklyn, and I've seen the, the lightning bolt. The, the the lightning came down and then everything blacked out and we was actually my grandmother's house in Brooklyn so um so I wasn't there for all the festivities because I was going back to Long Island but I got these things by and it's gonna sound cheesy to like a lot of kids nowadays but you know I was taking apart bikes putting them together and selling them painting them you know Schwinn's you wow. know so that that was my thing I would just everything was swapped back then you traded you traded trade until you traded up and you prayed for a, a decent birthday or Christmas or you know and and that's how kind of it was piece by piece by piece by piece by piece by piece. Well, that's hustling. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, an honest hustle. Yeah, I can't say that. You know, I was hugging. The, <laughs> I was hugging the block at, at, at ten. You know what I'm saying? Don't yeah, boy, I, Paul. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I can't say that. I wish I could have that story. Then yeah, man, I came up. You know what I'm saying? I had to leave it alone. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, 
they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Who was your first crew? My first. <laughs> I mean, when you had your first like rap group. Or- uh, my first crew was in the, uh, I still got the shirt too. My first crew was in the sixth grade. And it was my friend Charles and Mitchell Robinson who lived next door. Um, and I remember they was like, yo, we're going to make a crew. And you're going to be the DJ. And I'm like, really? And our crew was the Everetti crew. <laughs> Yo, I still got the shirt. It's mad young. And on the front, it has a Yamaha motorcycle like decal. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I ironed the, the, the letters on the back. <laughs> yeah, man. Yo, I got that joke. I need to post it. Once I, I got to stop being anti-social media and start mm. posting stuff. But yeah, yeah. That was my first crew. And uh yeah, I remember we tried to make tapes and stuff for people, and they were saying this is horrible. And was... You still have those tapes? <laughs> no, I don't have to. You tape. know you still have those tapes. Nah, that, the, uh, I have an early pause tape from probably about 78 that I still have. That I played not too long ago. I was cleaning out my house, and I found nice. it. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's horrible, but it was good back then. <laughs> back then, were you running with any of the contemporaries that you will later make music with a decades later? Like, you know, was... Was Daddy-O coming up in the scenario during this period? or Well, I didn't meet Daddy-O until I joined Stetton probably like 83, 84. But in Long Island, I knew Biz because Biz used to come up to my school. So we used to come to my house. We used to make tapes. So those tapes I wish I had. Um, that was around when I was in eighth grade. He would. So there's tapes of you and Bismarcky making. It has to be somewhere. There was cassettes. He's come over the house. Like, supposed to make a cassette. I'm like, all right, you know, he, you know, meet me up at the high school, Anvil High School, and we, you know, 
Um, Y'all went to school together? He no, just no, visited? No, yeah, I don't. Man, Biz lived way out in like in Corum or some weird part of Long Island. Right. And he would, I don't know how he would magically end up in Amityville <laughs> High School <laughs> or there or thereabouts in Wine Dance, which you know, everybody knows Rakim's from and, yeah. and, you know, Chili Dog and all those guys. And so he would just end up at the schools and you're like, he's going to make a tape, you know, and. And, and yo, to this day, he'll tell you, man, I remember he came by my house and this, this was the last time we made it or supposedly made a tape was he's like, yo, I was busy at the time. I was like, yo, can I borrow your records? I was like, what do you need? Uh, give me Rocket in the Pocket, um, God Made Me Funky, and was some other record. And he never brought it back. <laughs> oh, really, Bismarcky? <laughs> and, 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 and he took it to my man Devine's house. Uh, and Devine I never Stiler? got Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, this kid named uh, DJ Divine. And, and he, uh, yeah, and Biz will bring up to this day. He's like, yo, I know I got your records. I owe you a rocket in the pocket. <laughs> God made me funky. And I can't remember. The, he'll probably tell you the other record. And these are the original joints, not like the, 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 the God compilations. Made me, the God Made Me Funky was original. No, they all were original. Yeah, because the, the okay. rock in the pocket was the Atlantic. Joint. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah man, I'm really getting upset. <laughs> Let's get him. Yeah, records are worth money, man. What? Yo, did you and Biz ever battle like, like? Well, we say Jonah in DC, but we know like Biz is like the king of the quips and going in and whatnot. Oh, it's snapping on people. Yeah, he was less snappy back then. Ah. you know, um, you know what I remember. I, I you know, I, I give a lot of credit to Biz, and and, and I'll say this, and, and I, I told him I'm very proud of him. And as we got older, it's because he was getting teased a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like he would come to the school. You know, I'm so not. He was get, always a character. Yeah, yeah. He was always, a, yeah. He was, Even when he didn't want to be. <laughs> Biz, I mean, as legend would have it, and people will tell you, Biz could tell you some good stories. <laughs> you, like, what? Really? He has. He has. <laughs> yes. He's been on the show. That has not changed. You know, what I'm saying that has that from from childhood, but you know. A lot of that, like I said, you know, kids would tease him. Oh, you sucker MC, you ain't this, you ain't that. And so when he made the vapors and all that, it to me it was like, okay. That was his moment. Yeah, to... that that was it. It was like he did it. Like he he traveled outside of Long Island into like the the Bronx and he he would come back with a um <laughs> he had a uh a notepad of records. Yo, you got uh this record, he had them all written down. I guess like things he was finding out from other DJs. It never changes. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> it shit never changes with Biz, right? He's still the same person. Oh, I got he still do does you, that. Do you do you believe his uh Mardi Gras story? What the what the Mardi Gras was it the 45? Without or? the bells on it. Oh, without the bells on it. You know what's so weird? <laughs> we just want to believe Nobody it. Believes. Let's just believe it. Yo, 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 Bigfoot shit. Yo, it, he mixes up with you know uh, falsities with the reality. So it's <laughs> it, 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 it's so hard to kind of like. It reminds me of and and no offense to what was that show that was on Netflix. Oh, the hip hop show. Things? Oh, oh, oh. The hip hop uh, show. Oh. The get down. The get, get down. down. Like it was some random, like magical crap with real stuff. <laughs> right, right. That's that's biz. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, he's that dude. You go so you, you you mix it up together and you don't know what it is. And then he will bring that record that Mardi Gras with no bells. He's like, oh my god. I thought he was storytelling, but then he'll live out something else that's just so far that you th might think is true. But it's not and that'd be true. A lie. <laughs> and then he get loud about it, like, "What you saying, son? It's true. Ask somebody. Yo, ask, yeah. Yo, ask, ask Quest Love. <laughs> ask him. Yes. Yo, get him on. Call him right now. <laughs> See, yes. tell, tell him, 
Paul, tell them what I got. <laughs> yes, you, you are nailing it 100%. I, I've known him since I was, what, freaking 14. You know what I'm saying? I, so. I wanted to call him. Biz once came up to me once. Now, I think of anything I've collected, I know Soul Train the best. So you can't get me on no Soul Train trivia whatsoever. And Biz is trying to convince me, Quest, I got an episode of James Brown doing Funky President with the drum break extended in the beginning <laughs> for like a minute before <laughs> he says, funky, damn, I got that question. <laughs> and at some point, you're just like, all right, okay, I Biz, I, I believe you. Quest, I got that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds about him. Yes. Speaking of Soul Train, that, that means you, you have that episode with Captain Sky on it. Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, I remember when I he was do. on there. Yes. I only seen that one time when it came on. Yes. Like Captain I have, Sky. Which is weird because he wasn't even introduced at the top of the show. So you wouldn't know that Captain <laughs> Sky was on Soul Train. <laughs> Who was Captain Sky? Yeah, that's a good question. Super. Super sperm. Oh, super oh. sperm. Oh, okay, gotcha. But he wasn't singing super sperm. No, hell no. <laughs> I'm like, how did get away with that? Like, part of me was like, it's so blatantly out there. Maybe like well, they spelled it sporm, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought some, yeah. I thought it was something like uh, Neil some spacey reference. You say Neil Sporns. <laughs> Yo, like Neil Sporns. That was a great motherfucking punchline you did. Uh, it I'm only took a year. Thank you, sir. Thank I you. got you. I got you, like, yeah, that was great. I was waiting for my sound effects. Okay, though. All right. I'm, well, I'm sorry. I, I had the wrong sound effect. I had Led Zeppelin queued up. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, you said Stetson Sonic started in 84? Well, I, I joined them around 80, probably the end of 83, 84, because I think I was in, a, no, I was in 11th grade. When, I think, yeah, started 11th grade, somewhere in 11th grade. So, that was probably, yeah, around 84. So, they were already established? Yeah. When I met them... Um, in the group was a guy named, I think it's Grand Supreme, mm -hmm. um, Delight, Daddy-O, and Wise had just joined the group a week before, and they just had, um, battled or some contest in the Mr. Magic Rap Attack thing in Coney Island, and they had won, and part of the, the deal, I think the prize was a record deal with Sugar Hill. Oh my God. Whoa, and and uh, you know apparently that didn't that didn't materialize <laughs> out of the frying pan. <laughs> into, I'm like, damn. Yeah, that, that, that was I think part of, part of the deal. And um, I met I met them like I said a week after that happened, and and became their DJ, which was which was amazing. Okay, so for those that uh, are kind of underage that are listening to the show, um, it should be noted. I'm just joking. I didn't know what you meant when you said underage. I'm under the age because you're up there with us. Yeah. No, you're not. Okay, Paul. Uh, or, yeah, you just put her back down in her 20s. Anyway, for those that are listening, um, it should be noted that uh, Paul was a member of Stetson Sonic, the very first noted hip-hop band. Here's the thing, though. Now, I first heard of you guys um, via Philly, where there was no Latin Quarter experience or anything of, of that nature. Um and Spin Magazine. So I'm reading that you guys were banned. It's weird, though, because even now, besides maybe the video for No BS Allowed, right. that's the only visual I have of you guys being a band. Right. Like, it's did you guys not invest in camera equipment back in the day, like, with your advanced, like, 
I can't find one Stetsasonic performance on, but everyone, like Chuck D will swear to God that you had to have been there to see it. Yeah, it was certain, you know. Like, are I, there no performances on tape that you own or? Yeah, I don't have any because I remember the tour where the, Probably what Chuck D is is talking about because I know when we was at the quarters, it weren't it wasn't set up for us to, you know, have a drum kit and have you know certain things. So it's usually like two turntables. But when we were on, um, man, was it the Def Jam tour? I can't remember what tour. But at some point we were starting to travel like with the drum kit, DBC on the keys, and me on the turntable, Wise on the Human Beatbox. But, you know, back then, especially being an opening act, nobody wanted to, like, cater to having a band. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, 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 oh, so you didn't so, have a drum tech and uh, No, there was, it was not that. It was like, oh, you got drums. Oh, because they used to just, mind you, back then, DJs brought their own turn, turntables. You brought, there was no back line. You know what I'm saying? You right. brought everything. So it's like to bring it in and to have it set up and then go from place to place to place to place. They were like, this is this is not practical for us, and you guys are only an opening band, you know, group. So, yeah, so we always had to kind of cut down. But in in cases where we we're able to have our whole setup, that's why you probably haven't seen anything because oh, okay. it was limited in that case because it was usually opening act. I remember on the Def Jam tour it was us and Public Enemy opening up, you know, and we shared a bus together. That shows how how uh, you know. Whoa, it's a lot it's of a y'all. Big bus, yeah. That show, <laughs> a bus y'all, can only man. hold. 12 comfortable. Yo, look, man. It was Public Enemy, Edna. That's one W. And Stetsasonic. I mean, that's how much, you know, we were, you know. Okay, these are the small guys. Of course, you know, you got L.O. Cool J, Houdini, Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince. You know, Eric B. Rakim. Yeah, you know, and the KG Run DMC or Boogie Down Productions would come in. Um, and yeah, it's like, oh man, they got the nice stuff. It's like I said, it's the difference between the Yugo and the Maserati. Right. <laughs> you, know you know, it's amazing what a couple of hit records will do. It'll definitely put you up the ladder, the food chain slightly. So how do you, how do you feel? The, the one thing that we've learned on the show is that this drum roll <laughs> meant hide your chain. <laughs> oh what oh man that was yo like the the according to everyone that's been on the show that was old enough to be at the latin quarter right yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. this was the national anthem for that was the ante up bro. even this though biz said it was three records and this one and like <laughs> yeah yeah but, yeah we get it would get real violent in the latin quarters man it's like ah. but i mean for that for Ghost Stetson, who produced that? Um, actually, this is all it's going to be disputed. Um, DBC came up with the concept. He had the rank, 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 you know, using open, the Tom uh, Jones. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then Daddyo came up with the idea of putting the live drums behind it. So it was a collaboration of, of those two gentlemen, I would say. Who is, who's Go Brooklyn is that? Go which Brooklyn. Is, which is weird because it's like, it's, it, that's probably the most iconic part of that i mean of the song i mean besides the lyrics and you know are you talking about the chant in the background it's drums yes oh that's all of us that's you know so my voice is in a lot of those random hip-hop records (laughs) (laughs) so we're buried underneath go brooklyn go brooklyn so how do you edge in your ideas and your like are you given a say or it's like six of you how do i edge in my and i I can imagine all right you remember if you remember tori's brooklyn prince 
when he spoke of okay, so Tori wrote a book on Prince. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm familiar. No, no, but the, I mean the one thing that you could really learn from that book was was how the generations work, and when Prince is opening for the Rolling Stones, he gets booed right. mercilessly because Prince, a baby boomer, born in 1958, baby boomers, of course, between like. 38 to 58, 61, give or take, um, that Prince can't trans uh, translate his vision to baby boomers, but he'll have a better time doing it to, to Generation X, mm-hmm. 61 to 82. So I almost feel like in Stetson Sonic, were you even, because even um, on Blood, uh, the album Blood, after Info- yeah, uh, blood sweat no tears. But. Blood sweat no tears. There was a cut on side two. Uh, are you coming? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, coming. Uh, he coming. Yeah, yeah. Which was ding, like ding. would have been perfect on a De La Soul record. Kind of out of place on a Stetson Sonic record. It's almost like your solo joint because you know I, I made it in the studio because we had extra time and I was being funny. And they're like, yeah, just put it on the record. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, all right. I was like, yeah, I, yeah I'll do it. You know, why not? Yeah, you know. No, the song was dope. And, and Paul's a sucker, and, you know, there's a few other songs. Yeah. Right. And what well, I'm saying, like, by that point, did you have more leverage because it's like, well, Prince Paul, you know, platinum I, I, producer. And- I think part of it, a little bit, is leverage and, and not like it, it was wanted. Like, I, I like my position in Sets of Sonic of, of being the DJ and, and producing some songs. And, and, and I like the idea of collaboration when it's collaboration you know right. what i'm saying as opposed to kind of like uh, we're gonna take off some scratches and i'm gonna put this and you know that where it gets a little touchy you know but when we're all working together collectively as one mind and kind of making something those are the first two records you know what i'm saying clearly um it's just started getting weird as the third record came around and you know what's weird it's like we never broke up like we just never, we just stopped talking to each other. <laughs> so there's never official breakup. There's so never still kind together. Of a it was just like a... I mean, all the way from the '80s to now, with the exception of maybe Fruquan leaving the group. Like we've never broke up. You know, it, it's just it's a quest. We just kind of just I mean, they're still together. <laughs> yeah. Good news. Yeah, we we, we just kind of <laughs> just drifted away. <laughs> yeah, then that's what it's been. But um, but the the just to an, to answer that um, how to get my say was De La Soul. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was my ability to kind of really kind of do what I wanted to do, which was nice. It was nice. De La was, the three feet high was 89. Right. And then, I'm trying to just put together the timeline for Stet Sonic. When... And Fulquier was, I think, 88. 88, right. Okay. And the On Fire was 86? 87? 86, yeah. So I want to take a guess, because it's really not listed on the album. Did you produce DBC Let the Music Play? No. No? DBC did that. Yeah. Damn, of course. I I wouldn't even figure that his own <laughs> namesake would were producing. <laughs> uh did you do music for the Step Lee Insane? Of course. You know what makes me mad as shit now? It, this is You're goes not gonna out. punch me in that. No, no, no. In the face. No, this this goes face. out to Armand who uh owns uh all the Westbound stuff. No. Palladian. Yeah, yeah. When uh, the atmosphere uh, sample from Funkadelic. Oh, Bernie Worrell can't beat him. Yeah, but I'm now in the in the new, like if you buy the reissued CD or you listen on on 
uh, streaming, the first 20 seconds of that song is just cut off abruptly. What? What? Why did they do that? It basically starts off, good evening. And I'm like, where's the... Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It's it's like nowhere to be found. Also, speaking of which, on Three Feet High and Rising, what's more starts off with pluck two. It doesn't start off with mercy. Like, it doesn't start off on the one. Really? There's like, there's three seconds clipped off of it. And also on Brain Brain Wants to be a follower. It just starts with like I wonder why they did that. It's all sample shit. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's like the first five seconds of the song is just cut off and it just starts that way. Yeah, so whoever was making the IDs didn't know what they were doing. Or I'm just thinking that the tape was damaged or something. But even for what's more, there was no need to cut that off. It was just I don't think they cut it off on purpose. Like obviously, maybe somebody know. was paying attention. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So just make sure that uh, it's only day law. Whatever. Oh, it's somebody's <laughs> <it's> <laughs> like oh, whatever. You know. But you you did music for the Stephanie Insane. Yeah. Okay. Did you do pen and paper? Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. That that was uh. I, I had the, the sequential Tom drum machine, which I still have. I love that drum machine, man. So how were you with operating that equipment? Like, are you? Was it just a learning process, or I'm trying to find one person from that period that like actually read the manual <laughs> to know how to make drum beats? And oh, not nah. yeah, you didn't read anything. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, for me, if, if you're thinking of the process, was as soon as Grandmaster Flash had a beatbox on, flash it to the beat. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh my God, what is that? I gotta get one of those." And you can never get that one. So you got a rhythm machine, right. then from a rhythm machine to you find something that was programmable. And, you know, went on and on. And that was for me. You know, it was like my friend was selling a sequential Tom, which I couldn't afford a, a, a DX at the time or a DMX at the time. I, I got that. It had a reverse button, could reverse the drums. And, you know, that was it. That's how I learned how to program. You know how drum machines are, especially back then. It's like a car. I hate to compare everything to a car. But, you know, your lights are on one side in, in, a, in a car, but it's on a dash in another car. But it's the same function but in different places. So drum machines are, are technically all the same, but just different buttons and different locales. You know, so once you figure out one, you kind of figure out the other thing. And you might have to look at the manual for one thing. Like, there's no going to the YouTube, you know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. You really just see the tutorial, you know. You had to, like, man, if somebody didn't know, you looked it up, you know, and you read it. But besides, uh, well, speaking of equipment, Besides uh, strictly Dan Stuckey, did you ever use that Casio SK one for anything? You used the Schoolboy Crush loop in that. Oh, we did. That was the SK five. That was I think that oh, was the upgraded version. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Dave had that. That was that was I think that was Dave's keyboard. Yeah. So did you guys use that for anything else on? Because even on the MTV clip, and I can see that SK5 there, I yeah, was like, oh, yeah. shit, they would use, that's like some shit I had. Yeah, so. man, love that thing, man, until it broke. <laughs> yeah, I still have it, man, but it actually doesn't work. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I think once we got into the regular studio, you know, we kind of put that aside, you know, because then you're able to loop with MIDI. So that, that kind of changed things. And, and Simpty, which helped a whole lot. All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, 
What I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. So let's go to Dela. What was it about them that attracted you? That you knew, or did you know, like, okay, this is going to be the next generation? Because I think we both thought out of the box. I think for me and Stetsasonic, which, man, is a blessing. It was my start, and I learned everything from, you know, I learned a lot from Daddy O. I, I, I won't lie about that. Like, he's taught me a lot. And um, to have that, but I've always just made bizarre, quirky stuff. I remember. Um, P. Fine uh, had his radio show, Rap This. I did this uh, spoof on, um, it was during Such a Sonic Time. It was a parody of, uh, uh, what's it, uh, Colt 45, Billy D. Williams. So that was me being silly, but didn't fit within Stet Go Brooklyn. So I was always there. You know what I'm saying? Stet from the Saints, always there. So with De La, how the way they rhymed and their, I guess the way they heard music was the way I heard music, and the way I you know thought of like, eh, okay, this is entertaining, this is fun, is the way they thought of it. And I think for me with them, even though it was in them, my job was to bring it more out of them, make them more comfortable and and embracing that being different. <laughs> you know, say like they're all magnificent. Like, come on, let's go, let's do it, do it. So why really? didn't you just join the group? Because I still consider you. Like, when it's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame time, to me, you're Billy Preston of it. And really, even they'll admit that without you and your ideas and your input, those albums wouldn't be what they were. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I I mean, it's it's a definitely collaborative effort. I mean, I I didn't join, I I don't know, like, they always, you know, I remember in those days, it was like, well, you always considered, like, a member, you like, plug four, blah, blah, blah. But my, my whole thing, 
and this is going to be weird, was instead of Sonic, I felt like I couldn't be me. Mm-hmm. And so I was probably just doing the polar opposite of with, with Dale. I was like, I want you guys to be you. I'm going to teach you how to work the equipment. After the first record, you're going to make the next record on your own. I'm going to teach you as much as I know. You, you're going to be, be able to be as creatively free as you could possibly be. And that was my intention, you know. Um, and, and part of that is, is just looking from the outside. And nor did I know this record would be that successful. I would tell them when we're making it, you know, we're going to go gold, right? Because that was always the, the <laughs> you know, we're going to go. But just to make you them feel really, good. You didn't really believe it. I didn't know what would happen. I mean, I remember Dave's brother, Mike, would go, you know, when we was making Three Feet High Rising, I don't know who's going to like this record. It's really, really <laughs> bizarre and different. And he's like, eh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm how did y'all, how did y'all meet each other? How did, a nerd in West Philly. <laughs> was the label, um, the label hook y'all up or how did you guys meet? Oh, no, me, me and, me and, me, <laughs> that's why I love telling the story. Uh, Maceo, he's working with this dude named Gangster B who lived around our way and he was making a record for Mr. Collins, Everett Collins, who was, uh, was playing drums for the Isley Brothers at the time. And Mr. Collins was also a music teacher at the junior high school in Amityville. And he started this record label, and his first artist on his label was Gangster B. And so Maceo was Gangster B's DJ. I was the guy in the neighborhood who made a record because I was with Stetson Sonic, so they asked me to program a beat. Um, and the beat I programmed was uh, it had the sequential tom. It was a reverse beat. It sounded too much like like uh, Paul Revere. Oh, and I was like, we can't do this. It's like, do it. We can't. And, and that was the debate, and Maceo could see me getting frustrated. He's like, yo, I have a group. And I think, you know, if whatever you want to do, we'll, we'll work with you. I was like, okay, good. He's like, I'll bring the tape by later in the day. It was either that day or the next day. And he brought by a, a real rough, a plug tuning. And my mind was blown. I was like, <gasps> that was pre-made? Yeah. I was like, were you guys old enough? Well, not that you're children. Were you old enough to remember the name that sample contest that Tommy Boy had with plug tuning? No. Yeah, like, I don't even, it's weird because... They had a lot of internet ideas right. and viral ideas yeah. that were out before the internet. But there would be like random stickers and ads in the uh, uh, occasional ride on, sometimes in Billboard, like name that sample. Like, Dang. I think we were trying to. Yeah, I remember that. You got to mail that in? I, yeah, it, no, it was <laughs> wow. like a 1 800. It was like during the days of that 1 800 909 Jeff. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, raise your hand. Who, who called that number? I called it. I wanted to. I called it. <laughs> That's oh, funny. I was afraid of my father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think the gem of it was that I think they were trying to just pimp the fact that use the Liberace sample in the beginning. Cause I'm thinking about the midnight, oh, yeah, the midnight that. loop, and the uh, what's the sample of plug tuning? I, don't know. Dun, 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 dun. I can't call uh, it. I don't know the name. I won't say. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> name that sample. You quest love. You know everything. <laughs> Music. It's a brain fart time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, bitch, you ain't guessing. <laughs> yeah, but I thought that's what they were trying to allude to, and I was like, Liberace. But then I realized at the beginning of of the album version, and now I want to reach back and find the hits and all the world of music, like the intro. Right, like, right, right. Which I thought in their way, like, oh, they just trying to tell like white people, like, oh, this group is real deep because there's a Liberace <laughs> Yo, sample. Let, on- let me let me tell you just quickly about that Liberace sample. It, we was we was um, sequencing the record. I bet a place called Island Media in Long Island, and 
I was like, man, I was, that's how I came up with the idea of putting the skits in between the songs. Was I was like, man, I got to figure out a way to link all these ideas and songs together. I think we made the skits, and then they had a Liberace cassette. And I was like, can I see that? Can I play that? <laughs> and then I heard his voice like, yo, let's put that in the beginning. <laughs> so it, it wasn't a really that elaborate of thought. It was just whatever is like, you know. Whatever is yo, near you. What did Liberace Yo, those records were all MacGyvered. It wasn't like it was like kind of sat there, and we were just like, yeah, we're going to pre-plan a lot of this. A lot of it was like, okay, what's around us? Well, Let's look at that. Let's let me not take for granted also, again, for our listeners that are getting familiar with, with Prince Paul, um, I'll say that probably the, 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 the contribution that he is uh, really noted for in the world of production is really turning your listening experience into, uh, I won't even say a three-dimensional, I don't know how to explain it, like, it was movies without visuals. Like you introduced the idea of sketches and skits, experience, and you somehow found adhesives uh, to to glue all those songs together. Not to mention, besides, I mean, I know that Public Enemy was the first to do interludes and have more than the traditional ten songs on a record, but. You guys were going overboard with like 23, 24, oh, 25 songs. That was by design. That that I did. So it wasn't like you saw Nation of Millions like, oh, we can go past 16 songs? <laughs> nah, you know what I did? It, it was, this is um, the junior marketing brain of, of Paul at, at 20 or 21 at the time. Was, well, let's hear it. I was like, yo, you know what? Everybody wants more bang for their buck. Even though these are little skits and all these other things, we're going to all label them as songs. <laughs> so when you look on the back of that record, you're like, oh, my God, look at all these songs I got. And that and that's the reason why I did it, just to Brilliant. bug people out. And Guess it, which dweeb <laughs> said that? <laughs> this dweeb right here was like, oh, my God, this is 25 jams. And that's weird because even, even the, you know, the first three, four Roots records are, like, up in the 19s yeah. to 20s. I'm, you know, Rich was like, you know, dog, we got 12 songs. We're done. I'm like, no, man, we got to have interludes. Right? Give them more money. You know, like, yeah, make bang for the buck. Man, you look at it as a consumer and you're like, oh, man, this is all right. Because records weren't cheap. You know what I'm saying? But the, the, the thing with the Daylight Records is that you really captured the teenage spirit of, of just, I don't know what it was. It's like, you want it to be there. It was almost like a documentary where, like, all those inside jokes that we didn't know. <laughs> he has a bunch of them. And it became part of our slang. We didn't know. And you got to explain what Crocker means. <laughs> Crocker. But it's just how how are you documenting this stuff? Because some of this stuff I can see, like, okay, we're in the studio. Okay, and press. And then we start doing a skit, which is like, okay, well, they're making a skit. But it sounded so natural and of the moment. Like shit like Skip to dead. My Loop. Yeah, oh, or yeah, even that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got you got you got to your forehead, boy. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's yeah, that's all Dave, man. Skip to my loop. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's so, so you would just keep a cassette running and and live mics were always in the studio and cuz some of that stuff just sounds like it was just of the moment and there's no way to recreate the stuff and and, it, and that's what it is. It's like I say record everything, keep everything. You know what I'm saying? Even though tape was expensive at the time. Right. But a lot of stuff was either after the song went off or before the song came on. Those moments. So for De La Soul is Dead, did you guys just have accessible uh, 
Slick Rick, I can't be your lover. Like just just on standby in case like you know, even now I'll have like sound effects. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> who had that stuff on standby to just It was just you know it, you ever have like within your group of friends a joke that just won't die? Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I'm yeah, saying? it's called Questlove Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that's all it is. It's just taking that you know the one joke that won't die and just keeping it on deck. Like, yeah, but I'm you know? saying like eventually, at some point, you're gonna have to unplug the drum machine. Like at the beginning of the day, are you like, okay, let me cue up that slick rig and play some funny shit happens and keep the tape rolling? And no, that that stuff was, was yeah, it was kind of, yeah, no. Nah. Honestly, I don't even. I can't even tell you what the the thought is behind. It's just being dumb. You know what I'm saying? It's not <laughs> even like I can't even like sit and and say, "Well, I thought of." It. It's just like, <laughs> yo, look at this. Okay, Paul, that's enough. That's 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 not funny anymore. But listen, <laughs> and, which I'm still like that to this very day, which I think eventually caused our demise and not working together. <laughs> that's to be honest, man. Like, you know, they they grew up. I didn't. You know, I'm still the same twenty. One year old kid, Sound you know, like Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, it's exactly that's, <laughs> yeah. it's the way it was, man. You know, um, I forgot to mention Bob Power. I, I can assume that working with him on the Stet record, oh, yeah, Bob, that yeah. you instantly brought him aboard to work with you on the De La stuff. Where, well, this is how it worked back in those days. Um, was you go to the studio and Oh, I'm doing your session today. <laughs> oh, wow. And then eventually it would go. Oh, someone at Tommy Boy was like, just hired Bob Power? No, no. I mean, no, it was whoever, staff guys. whoever. Yeah, whoever yeah. was there at, at Calliope, who was ever working at the time, would do whatever that session was. And then usually if it's an engineer who likes what you do, they'll, they'll stick around. They'll go, oh, man, I, I like this. I, I want to come to the next one. You know, if my schedule permits, I'm going to do your next session. So it was never, you know, Bob so you Power. were thinking like, okay, this guy has such a forward-thinking sonic genius about him, and we must have him on this record for it. I mean, obviously, there's engineers that some were better than others, but you know, when you're paying forty dollars an hour, you're just trying to get whoever can get the job done at the time. <laughs> okay. you, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, the brilliance of Bob Power is, is evident because you you know you work with him, obviously. Um, and I. I I tried to learn as much as I could from him. I remember when I was in Set to Sonic, and he might not remember this, but I was taking audio engineering at the time, and um, and I would just sit there and just watch him like closely. And he looked at me. He looked up and said, "You never learn anything by watching me." <laughs> wow. Very disheartening. Yeah, you got to do not, it. So, which made me, in a, in a sense, go, "I'll show you." <laughs> of course, I'm not never near as nice as Bob Power, but it was incentive. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah, he came aboard like a lot of the other projects. You know, along with my man Scotty Hard and there's a few other people. Oh, okay. And Sue in the house. Sue. Sue. Yeah. Sue in the house. Right. 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 <laughs> Oh, she was an assistant engineer. Um, she she was like I, I don't know. It's like whoever was there. It's like I'm the engineer. <laughs> like okay, you know, and never had a, a female engineer before. But hey, man, you're you're on the payrolls. Get it done. See, forty dollars an hour. Two two princes <laughs> working with two female engineers. There you go. <laughs> See, uh, how in God's name did you record that record for under twenty five thousand dollars? Which one? Three feet high and rising. Oh, it's called taking that um, that shift from twelve to four in the morning at the studio when the when it's thirty dollars an hour. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's called buying your own reel of reels, which when you buy the studio it's like what one hundred and fifty bucks. You buy it at the at the tape spot right. for like a hundred bucks. Use 
Sometimes you don't use Ampex, you use Agfa. You know what I'm saying? You, you find ways to. <laughs> so, I'm wow. serious, man. Wait, there's other real tape companies. Wait, no frills. Dummy question. When you get that, you said 25,000, right? Yes. When you get that 25, that's your 25 to make the album. It doesn't have to spread to anybody else's. No, that's how we. That's the entire budget. That, that, that's, us, that's what I'm trying to understand. That, that's us you, being paid. That's us using studio. That's whatever's left whatever over. Left over I'm sure this episode of Quest Love Supreme costs about $25,000. <laughs> I need a raise. But wait, so that means that like y'all had to eat off of that too as well I, that's why you work regular Eat. jobs you see how skinny he is wow. <laughs> so wait did wait. you have a regular job while you're doing all this yeah stuff? yeah i, I mean all, all through sets of sonic i was in college i had a part-time job what, what? um yeah I, I i worked through everything man uh, you know it, it's because you know i looked at it at least me personally like Fat boys run DMC, like you know, there's an LL, those guys who make money, you know what I'm saying? I'm just doing it as for fun as a hobby, you know what I'm saying? I love music, whatever comes out, comes out, but I'm gonna have to take civil service test to become a postman at some point, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, that's the reality of it. Really? So, it, it, it just so happened that my passion, and probably um, I'm thinking because I didn't take it as serious as a lot of my contemporaries, is I just had a lot of fun with it, which kept it open help me be more creative because I think if I was thinking of marketing and like yo it's gonna bump into clubs yo this is gonna do this it would have really restricted what I did but I was just like eh, whatever I'm gonna have to work a regular job anyway record that <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah Liberace just throw that in you know what I'm saying I, I, I gotta get up and go to work so you're thinking by the end of Three Feet on Rising that you'll just uh I'll get a job somewhere and then work I mean on that's, that's what I thought I mean you know even when the record came out okay it was starting to gain some traction and all of a sudden wow this is cool and it just got to a point where it wasn't until not that record but other work started coming in for me when i was right. like man i can't go work at i was working at a place called general accident which was insurance company it was, a, it was an insurance company <laughs> yeah, it was an insurance company, <laughs> yeah, son. yeah it was an insurance company i was i just got i just graduated college and and, and i was in between those things i remember i had bosses tell me um you know, I got called into the office one time. I was, I was um, working at a place that we, uh, I was doing soldering. I was doing electrical boards because I, I took um, electronics in, in mm -hmm. school, and so he called me. It's like, you know, I heard you doing this music thing. You have a choice, Paul. You could be here every day on time and be a part of our company and our growing family. We can follow this music <laughs> dream family. that you're thinking about. We here at General Accident. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, this was before General Accident. And, and I was like, you know, I quit. And I, I just kept it pushing, which was kind of rough because like, man, I need that money, man. It was a good job. I was paying like $6 an hour, you know, so it was good at the time. You know? Wow, that's crazy. What was the record that changed your thought? Your thoughts on that? Like the Oh, 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 that, I'm, I, I skipped the story. It, it, as soon as work started coming in after Three Feet High Rise and was when I was like, yo, I'm gonna have to take a leap of absence for maybe like a year and kind of ride this thing and, and produce. We'll see what like, happens. Yeah, there was third base and Big Daddy Kane and Queen Latifah. All those things started to, to really come in, and you know, and, and then Russell wanted to become my manager and have him and Leor. So that that changed things. Like, uh, maybe two years, I'll go back and work. Oh Jesus Christ! I forgot about Resident Motherfucking Alien. Doodle Man Records. Doodle Man Records. I totally forgot. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. 
See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, so at the time when, quote, we hate this song, end quote, <laughs> becomes like a, a a force to reckon with. <laughs> me, myself, <laughs> myself. Are you guys, just be honest, man. Were, weren't you, were you guys happy? Because I know this, I know the perception. And sometimes when, you know, there's there's thoughts on, on Dave's whole, whole uh jaded grumpy man steve i got love Yo, dave dave is it's weird though because for me dave trugoy dave was like in my mind he was the 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 utopian peace child like he was the original what? prince he's the first one to punch you in the face i know this now perception wise though he wasn't yeah. i know this now but well, actually, Mace will probably punch you in the face, and and then Dave will Dave clean will it just, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, it's just that based on seeing the album cover, like this is for me who never knew who you guys were. I was working at Sam Goody's, and this record comes in. That's a dream job. I wish I had Sam Goody's. Changes job my life. Then. I think I got fired for stealing three feet iron rising. <laughs> Jury, jury's still out. I don't know, but I'm just saying that. You know, to see where we thought they were marketing, right? And I fell for that marketing hook, line, and sinker to where they are now, right? Which I don't know, but I'm just saying, <laughs> what was their initial response to me, myself, and I? Was it like, oh shit, this shit's number one? Was there 
was there a hug? Was there a smile? Well, was in, there... in order to answer that question, I have to kind of go back a little bit and and say that Me, Myself, and I was the last song on that album, and it was oh. prompted by Tom Silverman, because he's like, yo, this record, this album is good, we just need a radio record. So automatically, that prompted disdain from them. You know what I'm saying? They're like, what? We radio record? We got everything. Uh, uh, uh. And, and that's when me and Mace sat down, and we did the music for me, myself, and I, because it was like, okay, it's a catchy song, knee deep, right. punk, delic man for life. Um, we put it together, you know. They're like, all right, we're gonna take the um, rhyme style from Black is Black. This is Black is Black is Black in America today. We're gonna do that rhyme style, put it over that song. It was just kind of here you go to make Tom Sullivan happy. Then it's like, boo. So that's why they hate this song. It was like, ah, oh, we kind of forced to do this record. We have saw a big record, but how did that happen? You know, say it was the trick of the devil. Ah. <laughs> it's like, it like Twilight Zone. Me, I love the record. I'm like, oh my god, because I'm a Funkadelic fan. And me and wait, me and Maceo put it together. It was just like we did it quick, and it was dope. But how dope is that that you made a record like they he requested it and you made the exact thing he requested and then it was a hit because that's a hard process like but to even understand what a, a radio too. hit is. And like, plus, at that point, it really wasn't established in the hip hop back in eighty eight, eighty nine, back then. Like it, hip hop just discovered and you know because three three nine came out what January of eighty nine. So really, you're talking to 88. I mean, there really wasn't a thing like, oh, if I take this obvious thing from 10 years ago and resell it, it'll work. Like, yeah, that didn't right, have that's like puffy. Like, that was the, the I mean, formula of I mean, that, it. Like, I, that, I would still think that even when I hear it, I, you know, I wasn't like thinking like cynical, like, oh, they're using this obvious shit. Like, it ain't a no, chick singing the hook. Well, well see, right. see right. To, to Daylight, it was obvious. And one thing you got to understand about Daylight, and they might disagree to, with this, but I think it's part of the beauty and part of their artistry, especially back then, is there was a sense of arrogance. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, we're going to do this. Uh, this record, oh, God, everybody knows this. You know, it was just, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and I, that was kind of swept throughout all the native tongue. And that was the beauty of it. it there was a certain arrogance to like, you do this, but we do this thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and that was part of it. That's why, you know, even though, you know, it was too obvious for them. You know, even though, like, Say No Go and certain songs here and there are, are obvious things, but that was just way too even obvious. Even Say No Go, was that mind thought? Or was it like, I thought you guys were just being clever as shit and like, oh, damn, you could rhyme over I Can't Go for that? That's amazing. Oh, no, no, that, that, that was... Part of that was um, a record I had, and then the other part that that um, which is face uh, uh, Merce had put together, Poss had put together, it was his idea. Wait, I gotta ask something about say. Were you the the anchor of Say No Go? Because I have a production question. Um, as far as I know, there's not an instrumental of I Can't Go for That out there. Yet the part that you guys rhymed over would be the verse of I Can't Go For That, right. which has Daryl Hall singing on top of it. Where in the hell did you find four bars of do, 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 No, that's the hook. You know, when they, he's able to be over time. That's the verse. There's four bars of that that are clear that I can't find nowhere, and I brought every configuration. You'd have to ask Posh that. I'm going to pass the buck. <laughs> and 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 there's a there's a one two uh, things on there that if I disclose I'm gonna be 
Oh, they're going to come after me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt that 30 years later they're going to oh, come. Oh, trust me. They still come in. Oh, trust me. Word. I'm sure. Especially young. Wow. <laughs> so, you still so, get like sample. So, like, so wait, but then I got to the buck off the pot. Ask Poss. He'll tell ain't you. Ain't that the reason we don't have Okay, well, you can choose not to answer this question, which is part two. I like fifth. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four. Fifth. <laughs> but, I mean, so... Were you just doing this goulash to like throw this in there, throw this in there? Because like, oh yeah, that's but, exactly what it but is. But crossword puzzle mixes so brilliantly with it. Like it's rare to find two melodic samples that are the same BPMs that also mix together. Like I'll say that say no go if if those who are familiar with my DJing style and my, the fact that I mix songs in the same key with each other right. and all that stuff. Like you're doing forward thinking there, where it's like crossword puzzle. It's, okay, I'm using nerdy references. Whatever. Sly and Fem or Sly Stone. Yeah, Sly Stone. Well, I, I didn't want to call out Michael Jackson's <laughs> ATV guards, but thank you, <laughs> Boss Thanks. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> they can get on whosample.com and look it up. Yeah, but I'm which, just which I might say is it, uh, it's somewhat inaccurate at times. There's some things I see and I'm like, that's not that. Oh yeah, yeah. Totally. but then but I, don't I wanna, let it be wrong though. I'm like, yeah, let him, yeah, let but I don't wrong. want to debate it because then I, right, it, right. You know, I just <laughs> be quiet. I really use this. Yeah, I just <laughs> this Beatles sample. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just got to just you know just let shut her. up. But it, it's well, okay. Again, I'm thinking that you're like, okay, well. Let me use something that's in the relative minor of something in the major key. Oh, no, you're, you're it thinking works too much. Right. That's what, okay, just cut me off there. I'm thinking too much. You just thought this was dope and let me mix it in there. And What we did, and it was beautiful. Man, see, I really miss those days. Is Everybody had their little record collection, and we'd go in and we add stuff. Oh, I think I have something to go with. Some part of it was by ear. And that, you know, okay, and, and knowing your record collection and knowing parts and, and, you know, combing through records. And the other part of it is, which nobody was doing back then, we was, we was pitch shifting. Uh, which is going to lead to my third question was that you were also, no, some of those samples had to be readjusted, leading to the original Buddy. Yeah. The every, Commodore shit and mixing with the, oh, the yeah, Bo Diddley shit. How, okay, were you using that Yamaha? I know the Yamaha thing had a pitch shifter. Yeah, SBX90, I think it was. What was it called? SBX90? Yes. Yeah, we was, was pitch shifting on, on that and... And resampling it? And, and yeah, and taking it and, and kind of... Because, you know, the thing is, we want, we knew it worked melodically, but it just didn't work in the right key. And a lot of it was just hitting the button. All right, that's right. And it was good sometimes to have an engineer who had a musical background. He could go... Oh, I think it's in a G minor with a... Boom. All right, can I just take six seconds of silence just to breathe? So, <laughs> all right, SPX90, thank you. See, but, but, the thing, but the thing is, you know, part of the arrogance, that, and I'll go back to that, is like we actually thought, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't just going, yo, let's loop up this, this funky you know, drum break, which works, and that's hip-hop. But we just took it to another, let's pitch shift, let's do this, let's, you know, if we combine this. Though. Da, 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 da. I think that's We genius. really thought about that's our That's genius, production. though. That's not arrogance. You know, at least, at least, you know, like I said, when I went into the studio, I was like, yo, I'm, if we're going to do it, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just, whatever our imagination goes, it, that's where the limit is. And that's where we took it. See, it's it speaks to me because usually beat makers after the three feet high, after the Nation of Millions, three feet high, and Paul's Boutique generation sees that, oh, sampling can go anywhere. Then, like, a lot of us will recreate that stuff when we first get drum machines. Right. And I was like, wait. Why is my shit blending like their shit? And then I'm suddenly realizing that 
you guys were pitched. I would ask engineers, like, why isn't this the same key? And now I'm realizing that you were pitch shifting. Oh, the, the beauty of technology, man. It, I mean, we learned a lot of things in the studio. And I, I'm not going to lie, as a producer, I would go in there and because I think I feel like I'm like a coach. Right? I got to go in and get the team riled up. We got we're the Pistons and we got to beat the Lakers. You know what I'm right. saying? <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do it. We're going to figure it out. So I'm getting them all amped up. But in the process, I'm learning. I'm like, okay. Yeah, Paul, can we do? Yeah, we could do it. Oh, how do how I do, we do that? Do Who's the bad guy, though? <laughs> and and I, I just didn't have to figure it out. Who's the bad guy? Because if, like, if someone's like, yo, you know what really sound dope? Funky drummer. <laughs> like, and, like, are you the final word on, at least for three feet, are you the final word and says, I don't know if this goes together with that, and we can't. You know what the final word is? Put put it in there. <laughs> And if it works, it works. If it don't, it don't. And that, and I, I live. That's how my production style's been from that point on. You know, it's like even if you don't like an idea, I don't. I don't know until I hear it. It, it might not sound right in my head, and I can dispute it. But we can really argue when it's on there and it's whack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's without question. Can you give me an example of a song of which, like, either Poss or Dave or Mace was like, "Yo." This shit'll work. And then, like, you just let them hang themselves with their own rope. Man, I can't, not offhand, I could tell you some things I put in that was whack that I was like, <laughs> oh, that's not working. Was the beginning of um, plug tuning. It was like, hey, God. Oh, it was, uh, it was <laughs> I was listening to it recently. It was Mace going, yo, man, how Prince, how Paul plug us in and give us a hype effect. And I go, yeah, let's try this. <laughs> it was so corny. But after we recorded and played it, it was good in my head. It was like, ah, we're good, man. And uh, we edited it down. <laughs> so you had to audition ideas in front of a jury? I, I mean, I. That's so hard, man. It's, it's not even in front of a jury. It's just like, be, and and it, it harks back to Stetsasonic, like and and no offense to the guys, but like it was a learning process. I would, yo, let's do, nah, <laughs> yo, let's do, nah. I'm like, when I get my own group, we're gonna put everything <laughs> in there. You'll see. So right. so like I said, it was the the, the the polar opposite. Whatever I did in Stet, I want to do just the hardcore opposite. In this group, I'm gonna treat them differently, and that's what I did. Let's put everything in there. Put in there. Which leads to De La Soul is dead. Now, I actually think that's the better record of their canon. I mean, for me personally. That's my favorite one. Really? That that album made my career. Wow. Like, that was, I mean, I've, I've had many a moment where it's like, stop, stop your heart in its tracks and you stop what you're doing and you sit and you listen to it. But, I mean, nothing will ever beat the Sunday that Jason Brown and I cut church to sit in his dad's car to listen to that record from start to finish. Wow. Like, that, that means a lot. I mean, I no, saw no my Lord. Said <laughs> <laughs> like, please, yeah, De La Soul is dead one that day. Um, two things: one, heavily bootlegged before it came out. Everyone seemed to have a copy of this record before it came out. But you know, for people to talk about the darkness of it, I don't see it. I think it's even more. Humor, more zanier, more funny, more samples, more creative. I mean, for God's sakes, you guys got the cover of Rolling Stone for this record. So it's like. That was a tough record, though, man. Yeah. I, and I say. You don't have good times than thinking about it? No, no. I mean, it, it was. 
all all my daylight records to me will, will have their own experiences and was fun you know um but I, th I think in the sense of that man after those guys went on their first tour and they got you know because you gotta Be stand all of a sudden everybody up <laughs> yeah beating everybody up and you gotta stand it went from like from zero to a hundred for them like blah you know they were like you know plug tune is cute power is cute all of a sudden like oh my god you know you just got this number one record all around the world and how did you feel about that which I, you never answered that question. What was the feeling once you guys went platinum? And uh, it was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> everything moves so quick. It's like you don't have time to really acknowledge it because all it is is more work coming in. You know, it wasn't time to sit back and just really think about, yeah, man, I made it. You know, it's 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 like, whoa, okay, it's, it's keep it pushing. You know. And I think for them, it was just a lot of pressure. You know, be here, be there, do this interview, do this. We need more daisies around you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and the more that was pushed upon them, the more they rebelled. And the more they got like, what, what daisy, daisy this? You know, so it, it. by the time the second record came around, I remember, <laughs> I remember, you know, being at meetings with the label, with Tommy Boy and Dave and, and, and Paz going, you know, labels say, well, why don't you do whatever? Like, no, no, we'll just quit. We'll, we'll quit. They go, what? <laughs> like, the label's like, quit? You can't quit. Yeah, we'll quit. We don't want to do that. We'll just quit. <laughs> which I was <laughs> Call their bluff. <laughs> which was just, you know, it was just, they were just angry. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and understandably so. Like, you know, I guess just seeing, I guess one, getting used to the demands, um, you know, having a label push certain ideas on them, I guess the expectations of now the world's expecting so much. They had to build up their, their show because remember, I don't know, in the earlier shows, they weren't as received as like nowadays where they come out. Ah, it was like, people like, your show ain't good as that record. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. so they were getting booed. I mean, in some places, you know, they had to build up. So it would, like I said, it was a lot quick for them to kind of catch up to. So by the time the second record came around, you know, you know, beating up people in the records. It was, you know, it was ring, ring, ring. It was, you know, it was a lot of that vibe. But the the part that I really respect about it is they, it was still creative because what they were going through. They didn't like, you know, they wrote about whatever they were dealing with. Because they were the and first I tried one. To, and I tried to make it happy. You know, I, my thing was like, all right, guys, I understand. <laughs> you know, but let me let me sprinkle some of this on top of it to kind of give it this kind of. So it was like evil. So if you weren't there, how dark could De La Soul as Dead have gotten if you weren't really throwing in the silly? Yeah, <laughs> I think I don't know. What, Onyx? Wow. <laughs> no, 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 not so. That. Like uh, Benny's in the BK Lounge, like. How like whose idea like wh where's the where's the where's the genesis of man, that? Man, that, that I have to give them the credit for that because of piecing together all the different music and stuff. But it, it was just man, like I said, we would sit down and, and talk during that time, and you know, I'd hear all stories about the road and 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 just them being like, oh, now mind you, you're you're arrogant to begin with. Now throw all the fame and all mm. like the. Really? You really want me to do this? <laughs> you really, you know, just like when they had that sign, you're pissing us off with your photos or whatever that, mm -hmm. that the, you know. Right, they, right, they, right, right. They were that guy. You've you seen them at the Grammys, first Grammys, just like, right. smirking, and like, why are we here? <laughs> That's them. You know. Do you <laughs> think it's, it's the guilt of not wanting to look like they're enjoying it? I always figure that there's a judge and jury in their head. And usually, again, with most... 
with the smart end of of black culture, especially with the music is concerned, right. there's a lot of overthinking. And usually that turns into sabotage and next thing you know, it's 15 years before your next album comes out and all this other stuff. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, I don't need to name names. Just think of who's not released a record between <laughs> eight to 15 years. That's because that's they don't have a Sade. Prince Paul. <laughs> right, 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 they don't have a, that's not named Sade. <laughs> That's because there's no Prince Paul in their lives to say, like, you're overthinking it. Just, you know. Just do it. Whatever you feel is, is right. Whatever. I always say your first thought is your God thought. You know, everything else beyond that is you just analyzing and taking external things to learn to add to it. So whatever you feel is, is the right thing. That even goes with gut instinct. You know, so that's how I make music. First thought is the right thought. Let's record it. That's why a lot of times, usually the, the first take is, yo, that was it. <laughs> you know, every time you first yeah. take, took something, somebody tried to recreate it, and you're like, Ugh. you might know the rhyme a little better, but that feel that on feeling. that first one yeah. was the right feel. Copy that feel, but know the rhyme. Know as well the words. You. Yeah. <laughs> know the words. Did you ever? Oh, I was, just, I was thinking to myself, I said, they were the first ones to kind of fight that earthy box in my mind, like. You know, the but label. they invented it too. I know, so that's the weird part. It's like and that's why De La Soul's dead, you know, right? To build it and destroy it. But I mean, to to answer, I say that y'all weren't fooling anybody. But okay. But to an answer your question, I mean, I know I can't really answer for for them, but as I see it, is they just, I don't know, they just had a a, a musical standard, and what they thought was corny was not corny, and they just so rebelled not being that typical who they deemed as a corny artist, you know, and, and things that just seem, I mean, almost, almost to the point where I think it worked against them because I, I, you know, from what I remember, they had a lot of offers for a lot of commercial things, you know, that would have gave them a good amount of money, but it's like, eh. okay. So yeah, Pepsi, I don't know. I'm not saying it's Pepsi, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's like, what? It's right. like, what? You're gonna yeah. Look, we was going to, our first deal, our offers, we had one with Profile, Tommy Boy and Geffen. Geffen was offering us the most amount of money, and it was just a, it was the beginning of Geffen. And I was like, yo, let's sign with Geffen. I'm worried with Tommy Boy. Eh, I don't know about mm -hmm. them. You know, Profile, they did, they were about to release It Takes Two. It was like, I remember we, oh, we went to the office. It's like, yo, we just signed this guy, Rob Bass. What do you think of this song? Oh, my God, it's great. We want to sign you know, your song, Plug Tuning, offering us more money. Geffen, I think, I think, man, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. Profile was like five or ten grand for like one song, I think. Um, man, Geffen was something like forty grand. It was just something dumb, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And Tommy Boy was they would have paid what they sold, right, yeah, Amir? You know what I'm saying? This we're talking about. I'm talking about single, not even talking about album. Oh, okay. You know, and, and you know, Tommy, we will give you, we can get you. You know, you know what I'm saying? But they liked the vibe of Tommy Boy because it seemed more real to them. Like they were into the music and into which. Ultimately, it turned out to be the right thing anyway. Because who knows if we went any place else, it might have had the same impact. You would have been the roots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it uh, it it all it all kind of kind of worked out. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's you know, we're keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> Even though I have a gazillion questions about De La Soul's day, we gotta we gotta move. But I gotta ask, did you have any clue that your swan song with them would be Balloon Mind State? Yo, Blue Mars is the one all the comedians seem to like. That's how I got like more. Yeah, like work. Chris Rock and I will still have these arguments. Like he still swears that's like in his top five. I, yeah, I, it, part I, of me's a little sad know. about that record. Like I, I feel sad about that record because I feel like 
that's where the four of you parted ways. Yeah. And Daylight hasn't really made an album that I like absolutely like disliked or whatever, but I do miss the 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 lightness and the humor of their records. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I think as time went on, as as my promise with the first album, but you know they reeled me in back on the the other two, and I I did start stakes as high as well. With them. Well, you did Dog Eat Dog, right? Or well, you at least you started. Yeah, we recorded in my house. I was about we to say because that that, that oh, wow. freaking dog but, but barking that, has to be but, you. No, but that's 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 all Dave's idea. I, I give him credit for that. Like I said, oh. I just recorded and kind of navigated. You know, the beginning of Stakes is High, and the um, it, it you know, I I stayed a teenager and they grew up. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying that's how it evolved. You know, just I'm still like yo 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 man, let's do this. Ha, 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 let's record that, and it got to really where they were like. I don't think that's right, Paul. <laughs> and I had to respect that. You know what I'm saying? It, it's it. Then I'll be going against what I said earlier. Like it's your art, it's not mine. Yeah. So I couldn't impose my will on them, but for so long. You know what I'm saying? It, because then it becomes me, and then I become that thing that I hate. So I, the best thing to do, stakes is high, and it was really tough because De La Soul really made me who I was, uh, or I am as a producer. I had to like, it's better that we just part ways, and that was tough. I remember, I remember that day clear. It was in my house. Hand him the ADAT tapes, you know. Oh, like the nice version of Suge Knight and Dr. Dre? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a nice version of that, right? All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. 
So from the time uh, Balloon comes out, Balloon is 93. Yeah, and then Grave Digger time. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, but Grave Wait a minute. Was... Yeah, Kane questions and. Oh, well, no, nah, just the, uh, the Big Daddy thing, um, the title track. Uh, of I'm still in that baseline for the next record. Oh man, Kane! I love working with Kane, man. I, I met him during the the Stetsonic days. We see him at the quarters and stuff, and yeah, and and he called me. It's like, yeah, man, you got a song. I was like, yeah, you know, try this. You know what the cool thing back then is? Like now, everybody makes beat tapes. Yo, what you got, man? Give beat tape. Listen to it. Back then, it was like, yo, I hear this song for, for you. you. This yeah. is yours. This is for you. I dictate what happens. You know what I'm saying? And, and you can't do that now. It's just like third base, like gas face and all the songs in Brooklyn. So you made Queens. all that stuff in front of them and it was couture. You know, it's like I'm, I'm I have it at the house or I made it and I hear you on this and you trust what I'm telling you. Now MCs and people, eh, what you got? Yeah, I like that. I like this one. I'm recording and I'm gonna send it back to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not like being in the studio and go, yo, that's whack. Or yo, try this over, or you know, it's it's hard for me to work nowadays, man, because I miss that type of energy, you know, even to dispute me. You're like, oh, man, no, Paul. Well, show me. You know, it, it, that's how you make things get better and better and better. But, um, yeah, but, but with Kane, going back to, to the question, yeah, um, yeah, Kane hit me up, you know, and it's like, yo, I'm working on the second record. I'm like, that, I'm a Kane fan. That's dope. Besides, you did Brooklyn, Queens, and Gasface, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that emotions horn breakdown is like one of my... When like my pie in the face moment, usually when most people is wah 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 for mine, it's always that ding a ding a ding a ding a ding a ding. Like whenever fucked up shit happens to me, that's what that's that's what I hear. Like the my my pie in the face moment is 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 that part. Oh man, I'm associated with that. So, but the thing is, you didn't you didn't go light though. Once you exited. Stakes is high. Like you went to Grave Diggers. Grave Diggers. <laughs> oh man, it, you know what Grave Diggers was a part of? Grave Diggers was, you know, we talk about the, the the niceties of De La Soul's dead. But when that record came out, a lot of the critics and stuff were saying De La Soul is dead. Oh, it ain't no three feet high rise. It was really maybe no no wait, wait, no, let, no, let, no 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 no. Let, let, let me finish. Maybe amongst the the hip hop peers and everybody, it was cool. But amongst the the hardcore critics, critics. It was getting panned. Trust time me. Time out. Time out. I got to dispute you on this, Paul. Uh, Houston. <laughs> <laughs> For starters, Not the whole as I've never seen such a glowing. First of all, Day of Souls Dead got a better review than Three Feet High and Rising Rolling Stone. I've never seen a four star. I mean, Lee reviews were rare back then. And again, they gave y'all the cover, which is some shit. I, I memorized, I cut out that, that all right, for, it's not about me. Uh, the Village Voice. It was a top six passing job, which is hard for 91 era Robert Christigal to give that that much critical praise. Now, maybe with local papers, it's like that. But I'm just saying, the source gave y'all a perfect five. That was the first five. I've read that wasn't in that Ice Cube summer right, issue. Right. I, that album was a classic. Let me, let me chime in. I think part of it too is the setup of having Three Feet High and Rising. They were endeared and, and loved, and people mm. like they could do no wrong. Second record comes out. Like I said, you're on the outside looking in. I'm on the inside. You know your sales are a lot lower. You know, and, and then you know somebody. 
you know, the first album was this. This album is so mean. Was, you know, so I'm hearing <laughs> right, all this. Right, right. Labels like, you know, we put so much money, more money in this record, and it's. I think that's Tommy. I think it's Tom. So you listen, you're like, oh, oh. So the pressure's on, which led to um, me having the label Russell when I did Doodoo Man Records. It was the pressure of living up to Three Feet High and Rising. Like he wanted me to make that record again. I was like, I can't make that. I I, I can't do that. You know, so I, I did the Resident Alien record. It was just some friends. I did. I love that shit. Thank you. The Shaky Ground <laughs> and <laughs> Mr. Butchie, like all that, that's. I love that record to death. Man. Yeah, well, thank you. It was it was a fun record, but he, you know, they were like, uh, we're not able to this. One that we start out the dispute of me calling it Doodoo Man Records, which Russell called me on numerous occasions trying to talk me out of it. You sure you'll make a doodle, man? I was like, yeah. That's the only way I'll do the that's, that's the only way I'll do the deal. If it's doodle, man. If it's other than that, I don't want to do it. It's just hit me now that Prince Paul will be when when Miles of Blackish grows up. Oh yeah. yeah he's yeah. gonna be Prince Paul. Wow. <laughs> oh, oh, oh God. Wow. Yeah, he does favor me. Well his father's in uh Yeah, Wild Child. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, while you were on this musical journey, was there like a low, low comedy journey going on with you? Because, I mean, you about funny as you are talented on that. I think I'm more silly than I'm funny, but thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, all your Grammys come from comedy records, the, though, right? The, yeah, the, the, yeah, the Chris yeah. Rock stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, go, mm-hmm. go figure. Um, I just like having fun, and, and my personality's quirky. And like I said, I, you know, I've been 18 since I was 18. Like, I, it hasn't changed, and which bodes well for some but for others it doesn't <laughs> you know what I'm saying but you know um I just like I just like having fun some people get the joke some people don't you know most of them don't but at some point you knew that it was beyond just your hobby and your thing that you like to do because you started making money off of it like Amir said so yeah that was weird and you started making records like. yeah I mean that's even I think just just to sustain um being in this industry for this long freaked me out more so than anything else and doing what I wanted to do, which was, I, which I don't know too many people get a chance of doing that, but I was just so fortunate. So and I hate to sound like I'm, you know, on a sports channel and so blessed. I want to thank God. <laughs> I want to thank <laughs> That's how I feel, man. Cause yo, I, I kind of wrote my own story and, and that's very, very hard to do, especially in music and super duper in hip hop. Um, it, but it, it's but I always kept in mind, and I always and we talked about this early about money. I just saved my money so I'd be able to do what I wanted to do, because I think once you start, especially when you start making a certain amount of money in this music industry, and you start getting a certain lifestyle, then you want to maintain that by any means necessary. And then it has a while to start. Well, that produce, influences your yeah, artistic decisions. How yeah, how are you gonna do? I will produce for food. So <laughs> I, was, I was like, if I keep a moderate lifestyle, you know, I got to house, cars, you know, whatever the case is, keep it simple, then I can make the records I always want to make without having to like, oh man, really? You know, or, or be that dude who, just to sustain the lifestyle, we've seen him who moves over to uh, Bulgaria with his girl who lives down the street. Yo, with this girl, you go you go on tour over there, he's like, yeah, man, you in town, I heard you, my man. Yo, I'm out here now, man. I'm rapping at the club down the street. Yeah. I'm about to tour the local circuit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, everybody knows that. I know. I, know, I, know <laughs> I don't even want to say his name, but yeah, I know a few then, cats that are living yeah, over there. And you go, this is my girl, Sweat Lada. You say, yeah. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, I told him we used to rock back in New York. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my man, you coming in. I know who you're talking about we can't say his well, name no i'm not talking about a person there are people no that's a lifestyle oh, that's a paradigm 
Yeah. Uh, so to avoid me being that dude, it's like I live a practical lifestyle so I can make the music I want to make. And I've, I've been all right. Do you, do you wanna, still live in New York, correct? Yeah, I still live in New York. I, I'm, I'm, after, after my daughter graduates high school, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move out. Yeah, you're talking about coming down south. You're talking about coming yeah. Wait, I was going to say, taxes in, in New York are every, every New York pioneer moves to North Carolina yeah. eventually. Come on, rap retirement look, home. Look, man, my taxes, double digits, man. Every year, the amount of paying taxes when I stayed in my house, I could have bought me a whole new house. I could have bought me a, a mansion in North Carolina, to yeah, be honest. With a gate. With, with a gate. That would be the other house. You know what I'm saying? So, I wanted to, uh, I wanted, we was talking offline, but I wanted to talk about uh, psychoanalysis, uh, that record. Oh, and, psychoanalysis. And the doors are open for you. <laughs> and the records are like, you could not make that record today. Oh, I think man. you would be think piece to death. Yeah, we're talking about like Beautiful Night, which yeah. talks about date rape and, and killing white people. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, but it, it was in the eyes of a psychopath. You know what I'm saying? It, that that, that, that it, was your shield. <laughs> no, no, but it, it paints the story from the beginning. This album's called Psychoanalysis. The guy, you have a psychotherapist, and somebody goes through all these different weird things. And yeah, it is somewhat of a shield, but it, but it is the truth, you know? And so, weirdly enough, I made that record thinking that that would be my last record I'd ever make. Like, I honestly thought, like, my career was, was over. Because Psychonaut was 96. Yeah, it was 96. Now, mind you, I just stopped working with De La, and that was, that was very depressing. Wait, Psychonaut came out before Prince of Thieves? Yeah. yeah, Prince of Thieves was 99. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. So, so uh, it Prince was, Amongst Thieves. Prince Amongst Thieves is 98. It was De La. I lost my record situation with Russell. Um, Gravediggers, oh, that's just, a, that's just a fad, you know, you guys are... Oh. Oh, so, Gravedigger, Six Feet Deep was 97. Uh, no, 95. 94. 94. Time out. But that record did well, though, didn't Who, it? I mean, it, it, you it know, got buzzed. It, yeah, you know, it, but it was during the time when Biggie and everybody else was coming uh, out, and that was like the movement. And then I was still stuck on NWA. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, that was, yeah. you know, I was making action records. You know what I felt the big mistake was? Yes. And that's why I no met you guys. Run. Yes. With, I, I, with, I, with, with Wendy. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Okay, Nowhere to Run To was was a good club single. But I felt y'all made a deadly mistake not making Bang Your Head as bang a single. Because that song, for 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 Month in Philly, that's all, this is DJ Cosmic Kev, shout out to Cosmic Kev, made, he would play that relentlessly. Wow, and I, I didn't like, know that. Wow. Dog, it, it, you gotta hear. I used it on, to skip that joint. You gotta hear it <laughs> on loud. You gotta hear it in a club setting. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it just, it, it sounded perfect. Oh wow! That was our ghost Stetson for half a second. Like <laughs> it didn't catch on, but for that month that Cosmic Kev was spinning the shell of that record, he, and he kept calling them at at G at, at G Street G Street. Make this a single. I need an instrumental. Like this shit's gonna. I'm gonna make it work on radio, and it never. But I agree with them. Bang your head should have been. It should have been. Wait, I have one one question about six feet deep before you go on a. Right. Who, who is playing on that title track? I feel like it's you guys. Oh, that's all of us. Yeah, that's that's, that's the junkyard band, man. That's how we was playing. We, yo, this is what happens when you leave a bunch of dudes before the engineer gets in, and there's all instruments in the, in the live room. We're like, yo, yo, okay, you, Paul, you press record, guitar. press record. Yeah, Paul, you play the drums. Yo, Rizzo, you. Just, and we're just like, ding, 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 ding. Back, ding, back ding, when ding, I did. Ding, ding, ding. 
Back when I didn't know any better, that would be part of my DJ part. Oh my god! And I, that's when I was DJ Pine Soil. I clean the floor. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, man. That's just that song used to clean. But I I love the shit out. It's still like on on my on my on my list. Man, there's a whole like session of us just playing. And RZA took the took the dat tape, man. Yeah, but but um, I remember when we was um um mastering that record is when you guys mastering your first record at uh sony i don't remember exactly where it's at but i remember y'all gave, y- y'all gave me a box of cassettes or a bunch of cassettes like yo here's our first record if you know anybody wants to you know, blah 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 and, I, and I still i still got like two of them you know it's weird i was gonna bring it today so you could sign it for me i forgot <laughs> i still have it what's it's weird about copy. that day was that i know that michael jackson was also in that building mastering history oh wow and in order to go to the bathroom like, like i had to clear with, yeah, yeah yeah to clear <laughs> i couldn't just randomly be in the hallway you know trying to go to the bathroom like so yeah that day i remember that was, it was ball. a defining moment man it was like a few defining moments like that and when i met common at the music uh new music seminar when he was a little kid mm-hmm. passing out his tapes and stuff yeah it's like it's a few defining moments like yeah i remember yeah yeah yep. that, that was all right and i, and I kept i was like you know, she got you sign it, man. I, I get people sign everything. eBay so, it. Right. <laughs> so Prince Amongst Thieves, which, I th- that didn't that come out the same day as Things Fall Apart? I think that, I think so. TLC's fan mail, yeah. Eminem's, yeah. Eminem's record. Yeah. And, and mine was the least successful. Ah. <laughs> no, but I like, I, are you trying to rub that in on me? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying that. Statistically, your record fails. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wasn't even going there, Paul. I was saying that while we were packed in that 15 passenger van, going from record store to record, whatever, like doing that whole two weeks, that's all we listened to. Wow. And even then, I was like, damn, why did I think, fucking Paul, yeah. like, why did I think it, damn, we could have made something create, like, I almost felt like, damn, I fucked up with this record of ours. <laughs> Prince yeah, Among right. Thieves is a, re- no, but I was. Yeah. We, I kept hearing. I was like, "Damn, he always comes up with the motherfucking yeah, cleverest ideas that I can't." Who, who was Dom Dom? That, that the came, Reverend. That record came out a year late too. Oh, where? Yeah, I, I, I handed in in February of um, two thousand and eight. Was two thousand eight? No, no, not eight. Um, I mean, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. And the label sat on it for a year because it's like, well, we don't know what to do with this. <laughs> yo, for a year. That you should look. Yo, you don't understand like the, the look of like sitting in a boardroom with played the record and everybody after the record goes, well, um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so disheartening. I worked so hard on I that mean, record. Do though. they not know who they're messing with? That's happens when you tell Paul, yeah, make whatever record you want to make. I'm like, really? <laughs> Word? And I, and I hand that in. And they're like, this is where the budget went. Uh, we should have given it to Sex Mob. I think there was another group they had signed back then. <laughs> who was who was Dom Dom on that record? Um, that that um the Reverend. Oh, um, this uh my man McKnight, who um I guess you know, you know Set Free. Yeah, yeah, call him McKnight. Yeah, he um, um that 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 was his boy. He brought him in. We, I was recording. I was at his house, and I was like, "Yo, I need somebody to play a reverend." He's like, "Yo, I got somebody with a perfect voice." And he came in, and he killed the first first shot. I oh was, my god! I was like, "You know what to do?" He's like, "I don't know how to play no reverend." He's like, "Yo, 
just say whatever your rhyme is, whatever rhyme, random rhyme you got, but say it like you preaching it, like like a reverend style. Know, acknowledge the know the ledge before you fall <laughs> yeah, over yeah. the edge. <laughs> yes, that's just one of his random rhymes said in, in preacher style and work. You know, I was surprised. You know, that was fun. I, I, it was that was a hard record to make, man, because I, I didn't use pro I can tools. Imagine. Or Wait, whoa, huh? I used that's uh, on two inch. No, it, I did it on ADAT, ADATs, but I I did it with a sequencing program called Master. Uh, master tracks six and i um sequenced everything live with um an asr 10 and two s950s so i triggered all the all the vocal parts ah, so nobody acted right now nobody acted against each other i just recorded all their lines and then picked the best line and then ah. step by step line 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 and then after that did sound effect sound effect sound effect sound effect so the chub rock part where he's rhyming over the biz beatbox like th those were recorded separately those yeah, well, yeah, Biz did his beat first, and then, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lot, so lot of, you human pro tools, that shit? Yeah. I, 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 you I know, know that shit was a nightmare. You know, you know what's so dumb is I should, well, pro tools was way more expensive back then, but I I, I should have just kind of just bought pro tools. <laughs> <laughs> but it's me it's me thinking again, like, I ain't going to do this for too long. Save this 2000 bucks. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna be in this for too long. You know, what I'm saying? I, I even at on, that point, you're still thinking that it's gonna come to an yo. End? It's not till I turn now to fifty. I'd so I'd like, wow, okay, I, I made a career out of this. Wow. <laughs> wow. Or wait, are you serious? I'm very, very, very. Yeah, because I mean, because I was. What, what, what examples of hip hop are there? No, that's. See, see, this is the thing, though. You even in R and B are there. That's because. Unless you're like, da -da. I think I think with black, yes, with your your da -da emotion is the whole winner take all thing with black artists that we have to be at the top of the the mountain, like Rocky, you know, cheering. But the thing is, is that there is space in this room alone. There are three blue collar, you know, there are three blue collar musicians here, yeah. which. I think maybe in 96 it was made to be a thing like, oh, there's shame in being a blue-collar musician or that you're not winning or that you don't have this yacht at your access. But I know what you mean now. Okay. I was catching up. You mean, it, right, like not super rich. Working class. Working yeah. class. Working class, class blue-collar okay. musicians, yeah. Okay. And, you know, that's... Wait, are you giving me the side eye or you really believe me? Uh, I believe... Fonte and oh, maybe it's a, nah, it's a every nah, it's very it's real real wealthy people don't have to go to their job. I'm at my job right now. Right. Okay, yes. Yeah. I'm saying, you you're, know, but your blue collar has a waffle on it. Like <laughs> a waffle pen and a donut pen and a heart Lego pen. Gangster. That's the smoke and mirrors to make y'all think I'm youthful. No, I'm but I'm just saying that. As long as, and again, you you didn't have lofty. I don't know if you dream of owning twelve Maseratis and. Oh, you know what I really wanted, and I bought my mom a house instead. Was a one ninety Benz that was kitted with charcoal gray. I remember sitting at the at the dealership, going, "Man, either this or your mom." Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I, we have no place to live. But my my whole my whole my, my whole Negro way of thinking was one ninety E kitted. <laughs> Yo, in a nigga versus black man. Yo, I, I did that though. I, yeah. I you put off my mom's house to build my record room. The nigga won. Yeah, because I didn't want at the Q-tip. I, I was like, shit, I don't want to lose my records. This records, 
it's going to be how I make money. And it wasn't like your mom didn't have a place to live. I mean, yeah, she, she had a nice apartment. Well, okay. the thing is, we, we, we <laughs> wouldn't have had a place to live. <laughs> she lived in Center City on Broad Street. That was a nice apartment. She had a nice apartment. So. With uh, the politics of the business record, was that, because it's funny you mentioned it. You thought psychoanalysis was your last thing. Reading the liner notes of positive of the business, I thought that, <laughs> that was your last yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, it, it felt like it. Cause I, I, you know, Chappelle's on that, right? Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. imagine I, I, I did this record, man, put all this work into this record and handed Tommy Boy at, you know, and I they really didn't love it until critical claim came back you know it's one of those things like somebody you know you have something they go yeah it's all right and then everybody goes oh that's dope and they go yeah it's dope and we have it <laughs> it wasn't until that point when they realized they had something dope it was at the end of its run oh, wow. so you at, mean to tell me that by the time that the politics of the business came out then it was like they were like yo make another one they're like make another prince among thieves and i'm talking about prince among thieves and heading into politics yeah. and and i'm like I can't make that. It's like it, it's like Bugs Bunny, one show only, or no Daffy Duck. Yeah, you know, right. blows himself up. You know, so it's one. I can't do that. It gets so hard. <laughs> and plus, when I didn't get too much love the first time, so in in, in having a conversation um, with the label, I remember they're like, you know, it's about a singles market. It has nothing to do with an album, Paul. It's thinking so backwards. I'm like, word. I'm going to make this record and it's just going to be a spoof of single, <laughs> which backfired against me because everybody took it literal. And I'm like, it's wow. a spoof. I'm just joking. This isn't what I really do. This yeah. is just like kind of a joke. And, it, and yeah, it went, it went, it went haywire. Yeah. I remember we talked about when we were uh, doing the breaks and we talked about uh booty clap. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, booty yeah. clap. That's like my favorite. You were saying how like Luke. You did that as like a oh that, spoof. yeah yeah that was on psychoanalysis but on psychoanalysis yeah, yeah, right yeah, but yeah. then Luke came out with scarred I think after that that was like <laughs> 140 BPM something crazy yeah 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 I, I was I was too slow at 125 I was like man I, I can't get the spoof right <laughs> so I have a quick question about politics um, did Chub Rock ever pay you the 2200 he owes you you, you know what <laughs> um, I just I have to say. Uh, Unequivocally, no. <laughs> I, I have not got that back, nor do I ever expect to ever get. Uh, if he ever gave it back, yo, I would go on all types of social media and I would say he's the, you know, I wouldn't say he's the greatest guy, but I would go, yo, he finally paid me back. I just let him know, like it, it took all this time, man. And coming back, you know, man, that 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 could be a lifetime movie. I ever tell you other guys that story, you'd be like, what? Yeah, what was the story of the twenty was twenty two hundred dollars? Oh man, I, I can't get to that. Oh, man. <laughs> he already put it out there. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it, it's like I got got man. You know what I'm saying? It's so sad. Was man. it like production? Was it some production stuff or music? Nah, stuff? I just got got personal. I just got got. You know what I'm saying? I, I was a vic. You know what I'm saying? That's all I could say. I got got. You know, and you live and you learn. You move on. You know, the, the money didn't hurt me as much as the fact that I thought we were cool. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so this is like, there's still feelings behind that. I mean, because, I mean, it's, it's like. Who, so who, even if wait, you see wait, him wait, now, wait. it's like. Who's mad cool with you? No one. All right, then that's hard. <laughs> All right, let's say, let's say, uh, let's say like, yeah, for example's sake. I ain't never been in his house, but we kind of close. Okay, let's, let's say cool all of a sudden. <laughs> and you will never come either. So go ahead. No, and, and, and let's say hypothetically, she set you up to steal from you. <laughs> and you like, oh, so I thought we was cool. We hung out. We did. We worked together. We did that back in the day <laughs> yeah. or ninety. 
can you name a year? What when we thought it was cool? Two thousand three. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. So I mean, no, no, it, it makes a great story. You know what I'm saying? And I'll tell it one day, in, in full. Okay. You <laughs> On know. social media. But but, but no no you know am I you know I. I Honestly, I think Chubb is, is and, and I can say this, this is about time I talk about this. I, I think he's super duper talented. Some reason why I work with him, and he really, you know, he's really smart, and you know, he, funny, and all the other great things. Very charming, but at the same time, you know, those are the things that really make great. Set up for great Vicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I got Vicked. I'll just say that, man. You know. Wow. Wait, before we wrap up, oh. I'd be remiss. Handsome boy modeling school. Yes, yeah. Yes. We, we gotta do handsome boy modeling school. We have to. That too. Okay. <laughs> wait, yeah, he well, done been in like eight groups. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I kinda, wait, I got myself quite often. I gotta wait. I'm sorry because I'm gonna forget this, and Steve will kill us if we don't mention the fact. That you worked with Tio Macero. Oh, Tio Macero with um, oh yeah, wow. that, yo, that was great, man. Uh, with, with um Vernon Reed on on that record. Steve and I have a, a running joke with Tio uh, Tio <laughs> and Thelonious Monk. There's a documentary where Thelonious does this like brilliant take on piano, and he tells Tio, "Okay, play it back for me." And Tio's like, "Oh, I didn't record that. Uh, <laughs> I was just getting levels." And but Thelonious like, "Okay, but play it back for me." And he's like. I didn't get that. Uh, all right, well, just play the tape back for me. No, you don't understand. I didn't record it. <laughs> all right, well, I'll wait right here. Just play it back for me. That's me and Steve all day. <laughs> just play it back for me. But they had, they got it on videotape. That, that's the ironic. Part. Right. Yes. Well, yeah, that is. That's true. Yes, that is true. But what was it like working with Tio? Um, to me, just like working with Bernie Worrell, it's it, to me, it's like free college. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I just, I, I throw in my part. But I'm just watching, you know. That my my whole like uh, thing, like especially with production, working with people who are seasoned like that. I mean, you know, we all learn from each other. But you know, I'm watching hard body. I'm asking a ton of questions. I'm like, yo, how'd you do this? Blah blah blah. And you know, getting to the mind frame. I mean, all of it, it. All of it helps. You know. So that that's to me what it was more or less. It was just like me fanboying. Like, yo, how'd you do that? When you did that, how'd you do that? And it's funny, like a lot of these older guys, I'm sure you've dealt with this too. They go, oh man, all we did was <laughs> make so all matter factual. Yeah. Like, but what you mean? Are you... Oh man, we just uh, cut on switch, man. That's like that 20 was episodes of the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it, it, and, and so I'm sitting there like, well, in awe, like, but the equipment was so limited back then. And what did you do? Wait one more one more regret. Oh, no, I was at Tio Macero, that's Miles Davis's producer for the. Thank you. I was thank 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 thank. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. That too. What did you have to do with Newkirk's career? Thank you. Man, I was yeah. See, we don't have, have regrets. <laughs> yeah. Sweat you. I was like, <laughs> like, we can't end the show without mentioning Don Newkirk. All New Kirkulies. Because the man. second the show stops, then we're going to text right. each other like, ah, oh, we forgot to ask her. So right now I'm thinking of regret questions. <laughs> man, Newkirk. Um, I, me, Newkirk, he, we met when he moved in from the Bronx to Amityville in eighth grade. Eighth grade was pivotal. Um, in eighth grade, and we were in a group. He was my MC. He was MC Kid Wonder. Wow. And his and we had my man Mike Tulux, uh, and his and and also Newkirk's brother Ray, whose name Sugar Ray. And we had a bro, we had a group called the Soul Brothers, back in 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 uh in high school, and okay. and you know after a while Newkirk kind of went on to his thing. I was getting more into Stetsonic. I met them, and he got more into like a Prince vibe. So we you know even though we're mad cool musically, we kind of separated. And he was just making demos and stuff, and 
And like with, with all my friends, if you notice in all my records, there's usually a band of characters that follow me from record to record to record. Mm-hmm. And one of them's Newkirk, it's probably my man Bemos, the pop master. You know, there's certain people that 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 are just my friends from like childhood. And I Is told the pop master was he the one on Booty Clap? Was that him? Oh, the pop master does all my uh, hey Paul. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's that's the pop freaking master. lick him. Yeah, yeah, ah, freaking okay. lick him. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. I just seen the pop master about it by Eli. Wait, who? Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, who do you worship? Who do you worship? Uh, who is that? Oh, that that's uh, this guy named Ron. He worked at the uh, at the. I told you, I I do MacGyver stuff. Hey, you in the booth? He was um. He worked at Calliope. He was like the manager. <laughs> he's, he's been on a lot of. I've heard that voice on a lot of other stuff too. Yeah, yeah. After he was on my record, <laughs> <laughs> I launched his career. He was working at the studio as a manager. But the original version of "Who Do You Worship"? Oh, I love that one. Why didn't y'all put that on the record? I don't know. I have no idea. I hate y'all for that I shit. I love that one. Well, how'd you get it? And where'd you hear that? What's my name, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Yo. I, I can't even find that. I, I, it's, it's in my thing of cassettes, and I don't even know where it's. At. I have a draft of 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 De La Soul's Dead that's slightly altered than the version that wow. came out. Wow, yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, another text record uh, question. Oh, Newkirk. Let me get back to Newkirk. Ah, okay, uh, uh, but yeah. So so Newkirk. Um, after I asked him, you know, do the voice on Three Feet Rising and and Third Base and oh, this is before Third Base. I introduced him to Russell, and Russell signed him to his um. OBR. Yeah, yeah. O- yeah, OBR and that kind of set it up. That's why I had Switchy a little bit of juice, man. Switchy that's, was the joint. Uh, that's when people actually kind of liked me. You know, I could, I, could, <laughs> I could call up a random person. Hey, man. Oh, Paul, how are you? You know, when, when you start making money for people, the, the, the calls Let me get, listen. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know. What was your text regret question? Uh, who was Daylight talking about at the beginning of Afro Connections at a high five? Or we can't say. Okay, don't mention a name. Were they talking about someone specific? No, not that I can think of. That's all you have to say. Like, they might have to ask them. Okay. But from what I remember, it was just an overall, because that was the vibe back then, because dudes was just doing that. You know what I'm saying? It was just the the movement. And what is Crocker? What's the history (laughs) of Crocker? Is it a Frankie Crocker thing? No, 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 no. no. But that's him saying his name, though, right? No, no, that's on Crocker from Kojak. That's right. Wow. I forgot. Uh, Tom Hayes handle on OK Player found that Crocker. Really? Yeah. He, huh. he, he, you know, it's one of those things you got, you know, you just random Crocker. Yes, yeah, put that in there. Crocker. <laughs> you know, just to cover up the curses. Crocker. You know. I see. Handsome Boy Modeling School, real quick. I know we got it. Okay. Handsome Boy Modeling School. Um, Y'all just get, well, hopefully, uh, they just used one of your joints in Baby Driver, the movie. Yeah, I, I just I, I just heard about that. My nephew told me about that. Yeah, they used that. How did that come about? Um, I don't know. I just well, I mean, the, the group, not that that placement, but just you and Automator. Oh, it, that was a joke. It, it was um, Automator was at Tommy Boy, and he was like, because me and Automator became cool when he did um, Doctor Octagon. I was doing psychoanalysis, and I did a remix for Blue Flowers. Blue Flowers, yeah, yeah. And then we were talking about um, Chris Elliott and Get a Life, and ha ha ha. Remember the episode Handsome yes. Boy Model in School? Yeah, Handsome Boy Model in School. Ha ha ha. We're laughing, we're joking. We're, we're, That's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're exchanging, we're exchanging <laughs> copies of, of old VHS tapes of uh, Get a Life, and then all of a sudden he's at Tommy Boy, and he's like, 
Uh, yeah, I, I told I told uh, Tom and Monica that we got a group called Handsome Boy Modeling School. They would assign us. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, I bet. Let's do it. So you know, we did, it wasn't a group. It was just a joke. And then we had to live up to the joke by making the record and the, <laughs> and the thing behind the joke. Did uh, Chris Elliott ever talk to you guys about? Yeah, I, actually, we met up with Chris Elliott, and he was like, I can't believe that crap. This- Abby's coming to the show today. Side note. Oh. Chris's daughter. Good. That, that he's like, I'm surprised anybody even liked anything about it. Fox gave me such a hard time with the thing, and and he wanted to work with us on some project, but it never it never happened. You and then know? y'all did the. Is that how the Atlantic thing came for the second album, the White People album? Oh, it's because Tommy Boy, Warner's uh, took the catalog from Tommy oh, Boy, so gosh. all the groups got dispersed. Um, obviously, nobody wanted me as a solo artist, <laughs> but they accepted me in Handsome Boy Modeling School, which I was just fine. Yo, can, okay. I, can I just give people a point of reference for Chris Elliott? Remember uh, something about Mary? Did yeah, they... he was the guy. He was a uh, God. What was his character name? He, he was, was the boyfriend. The, he... Yeah, the one that had all the zits. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes, yes. Okay. He was the lead character in Get a Life, which is what we've also been talking. about. I know, yeah. but something about Mary is kind of no. Get a Life is also. I the dicks, it. real last. last <laughs> yo, yo, I got so much awkward stuff, right? <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got one more after this. Okay, okay, go, ahead, right, go, ahead, right. go ahead, go ahead. That was my last. That was my last. Y'all one. knew okay, this was gonna be our longest dicks. one. Y'all knew the 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 dicks. Here come the dicks. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a group. It was like his fake, like Motown yeah. soul group. Yeah. The yeah. Dix. Yo, you don't remember? It was fucking hilarious. Yeah, it was. Where was I? This was like oh, this was like oh. Four or five, maybe something like yeah. I was depressed by then. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was uh, yeah. It's just a for fun. There's certain records that I make that I'm serious. I'm like, yo, this is. I think this is dope. When you hear records like Psychoanalysis or The Dicks or Instrumental, Paul Barman. But yeah, those are yeah, Paul Barman. Those are fun records. Those are like I just make just to make. You know what I'm saying? It's like oh, you like it, you don't like it, you hate me. You know? But that was just you know an imagination thing. You know, this is fun. I got all my friends I, together. I gotta say that I'm I'm one of the biggest Barman fans ever. Barman's Bar- on. He always talks about you. Barman's on that Ask Bond list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, word! <laughs> Have the time. Pete Rock, like, yo, who's uh, Eric Code? I'm like, it's MC Paul Barman. Who? Who? Oh, okay. <laughs> Barman. Barman's genius. He yeah, is, man. man. He Very is. overlooked, man. I love that dude, man. But yeah, he talks about you all the time, man. It's I thought guy, y'all lived man. together or something at some point. He's like, yeah. Nah, man. It's just, you know, these. That's it's my spirit animal, man. Paul. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's crazy. He's, he's, yeah, he's mad cool. I got him in a group with. Uh, 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 the director uh, Eternal Sunshine is oh Gandhi. Gandhi Michelle yeah Gandhi. with Michelle Gandhi okay yeah he did talk about that yeah 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 that's cool man he, yeah he's good to work I'm glad to see you guys are working together they got a side project all right so what was your you had one uh, real, just one last really kind of stupid question well not stupid uh, George Clinton tweak and remix wow forgot about that Jesus my brother brought that up not too long ago did you touch that before or after Prince got a hold of it because you both are credited on the record. Two princes. Yeah, two princes on the same record. <laughs> Honestly, you know what? I don't even I don't even know I think I have a copy of the record somewhere. I don't remember anything. All I remember I remember I do remember this is that before then Prince wanted me to come down to the was it Paisley Park Studios mm-hmm. and record, but I couldn't at the time. I was really busy, so he sent me the 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 masters to um I mean the yeah to Island Media, where I was working. That's funny how now it's like, oh, I have no time for you, Prince. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what a, a douchebag am I, right? <laughs> you know, but, uh, and you knew I was a big George Clinton fan, and I remember doing it, but I don't remember the process. Okay. You know, I just remember recording and go, oh, okay, this is cool. 
um, not some of my better work. I, w- I mean, I wish I can go back in time and really redo that. And I wish I could go back in time and go to Paisley Park Studios. <laughs> oh. Can you, before we go, can you talk about the Brookzill project? Oh, Brookzill. Yeah, that, that was um, a long time in the making, man. That was uh, um, me visiting Sao Paulo, um, hooking up with Rodrigo Brandao, who uh, was the host of UMTV Raps Brazil back in when you know, they had UMTV Raps. Back and, when rap was out. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, me talking about, hey, let's make a record and hooking up together and then uh, introducing him to Mecca, you know, him finding out Mecca's family is from Brazil and her teacher, her, her speaking Portuguese and they bonded. And then, you know, I always bring my usual suspects. I always bring New Kirk in because, he, you know, he's my, he's my boy for life. You know what I'm saying? So, and yeah, we just started making this record, piecing it together. It took so long because we tried to get everybody in the room at the same time. Somebody's from Brazil, somebody's from this person, you know, so it's, it took us like almost like eight years to make that record, man, just to like, just to record together. Wow. Yeah, because we record some in Sao Paulo, some in Queens, some in Long Island, and some in Atlanta. So we were all over the place, so. Okay. Is your setup now? Do you set up at the crib? Like, do you just have a, a home setup where you record vocals man, I, and stuff? I've had a home setup when home setups weren't popular. Like, when we was doing... The De La stuff, I started making a home setup because I tried to save as much money on pre-production before I went to the studio as possible. Because like I said, when you have a $25,000 budget, <laughs> you, yo, you got to find way. And I, I kept that mentality because I've seen it like this, right? When you got a budget and you make a record, let's say hypothetically, and I'll keep it at $25,000, you know that's money you, you're definitely going to have. You don't know if you're ever going to make a, a royalty. A royalty, yeah. So I'm trying to end. spend as little without jeopardizing the, the integrated project as possible and making that record so I can just pocket the rest. Because I know that that's the only money I may ever have from that record. Ever, ever, ever. Okay, so Paul... We could stay here for another nine hours. <laughs> but yeah, I, I see everybody getting restless. Like, oh, man. No, we're no, not getting restless. No, no, I got more, but I got to go to my job. job. <laughs> but here's the thing. Can we just have one more round of regret questions and just fire it off and just try to keep it short? <laughs> is that okay, Steve? No. Uh, it's not okay, <laughs> but fuck it. This is the only time we get to ask this. So when you recorded the second Chris Rock album. Yes. I noticed what microphone did you use on Chris Rock? <laughs> Sorry. Because it sounded like I felt that you were going for those old Red Fox records. If if you listen to the quality of 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 the comedy bits that are done in the club, right. It it was like, oh, it was like, oh, like you you were doing a Dap Kings 50s throwback or nah, you just had a bad microphone and you just it was probably the latter. Really? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, didn't listen back. I'm like, yo, this sounds really like it, it just. I, all I know is the last record that we made um, was it um, Never Scared to me, which sounded too perfect. I like, yes. yeah, I like the sounds of like the non digitized, non sterile, old school stuff. So yeah, it was probably by design, and that was probably thanks to Scotty Hart, my my engineer. Um, he probably sat and like, yeah, let's record him on the uh, on the CAD mic, <laughs> whatever microphone was oh, around. Oh well, I just thought that was a stroke of genius because if he ever does another comic record, I'm like, you got to get that yeah. microphone you use for the second album, which it makes all the difference, man. It's funny how tonality will make you perceive even jokes or anything that you listen to. Yes, you know, and, and I try to tell people that, like, and that's why certain things don't sound really good, sterile, and new age. 
mm-hmm. you know, high def. Did you audio. record those, uh, the real people of ignorant skits too? Did you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, <laughs> that shit, that was my favorite shit. <laughs> That's funny. Do I even ask why you and Chris Rock? Um, I don't, Have you heard the records? Yeah, but I'm just a- I'm asking this for people who might be listening. Well, like, why well, okay. Prince Paul well, and Chris Rock? Well, the weird thing is, after psychoanalysis, he randomly called me up, and I thought it was a joke from Daylock because we played jokes on each other. Like, here he goes, up, pass his number, give him a call. And I thought it was like a joke, <laughs> like you know, yeah, what's up, man? It's Chris Rock, man. I want to do his record. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. What record you want me to do? I was just like, all like, yeah, okay, whatever. And he said, no, I'm serious. I, I'm, I'm gonna do like maybe like one or two things, and then we met up, and I was like, is this a joke? He's like, no, I'm serious. And then we just got along really well. Because no one thought that Chris Rock was going to make a record with skits on it. Right. And so, you know, that's what makes... I don't think he thought he was going to make a record with skits (laughs) on it. It kind of just developed as time went on, you know. All right, Bill, do you have a regret question? Uh, What's Prince Paul's favorite skit? Um, Anything Dr. Dre made on... uh, Chronic? The Chronic? Nope. Niggas for Life? Yep. That, uh, that really man, to me that sets the bar for everything because nah, yeah, he I'm says he acknowledges that he got all that shit from you well you know hey just as do much, you know that for a fact i i didn't know that yes he's I, he's acknowledged that you know wow that that's man that's flattering yeah. because i was trying to copy that from that point i was like oh my god this is incredible yeah. it, you know it's just like it, 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 and this last thing I, i'll say is it's just like when i um finally met the beasties and um paul's boutique mca yeah got rest his soul he was and him in ad rock was telling me like we hated you when we made three feet high and rise yeah because yeah. we wanted to do that first like you know what's crazy i paced three feet high rising after license to ill right, right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. i just i just added extra stuff to it you know right, what i'm saying right, that, right. that was the bewildering part of it i'm like wow you guys were my inspiration that and and uh and easy e i think the first record he did and and yeah. parliament funkadelic it was a combination so yeah you guys were definitely doing the, the beatles beach boys battle for <laughs> who was going to be more artistic steve any questions he's like can i go a regret question yeah i regret that we we're going to be late for a regret question <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this has been an awesome episode of fun. thank you so of much prince yeah. paul Finally. thank you and I will give you guys a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you for, for tolerating me this long and waiting to have me nah, on the show dude, for almost man. a year. We could go a whole we got two more. Hours, I'm yeah. sure you'll be a repeat quest because we got so much more questions. A repeat ah! quest. A repeat question. <laughs> a repeat quest, yes. And I want to come back and ask y'all questions. That's going to be my question. Yo, I forgot to ask about the lawsuit. Flo and Eddie. Yeah, oh, the turtles. Ah! Anyway. Oh, I thought you were talking On behalf of Laia and Steve and... Bill and other Bill who's not here pour out some spit or liquor and find Tigolo and uh, Prince Paul we thank you very much and uh, we'll see you on the next go round of Quest Love Supreme only on Pandora Crocker Voice Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 